Greetings and happy Wednesday to the Vibe Tribe. So excited to be here again with these folks. Really, really love my friends that are on screen here with me tonight. Oh my gosh. Been looking forward to this one since we wrapped up the Aries show. So of course, you guys probably know the drill. We're going to be talking about the uh, astrological doctrine of signature associations with herbs and Taurus as we have entered that season. And man, is it fun. I love this time of year. Just got back from a nice walk at the park, seeing all the stuff blooming and popping off. It's just invigorating. Everybody's in a good mood. Birds are chirping. Geese are out with their babies. It's pretty freaking sweet. <laughs> and so, you know, I want to do a couple of little quick uh, promotional things and announcements. So what we have here, this is an empty bottle of Kapow. Kapow is your all-around coffee replacer, super energy power-up. It is better than anything that you would eat in Super Mario Brothers. It will make you feel super strong at the gym. It will give you that little extra kick. And in my opinion, the, the caffeine amount in it, which I think isn't that much, it doesn't even keep you up late if you take it at like uh, 6 p.m. or 7 p.m., which I want to do. So I just ran out of this bottle. I'm going to be placing another order. And I want everyone to know about Typic New Herbs, where you can put in the Interverse code uh, and get a 10% discount. Super cool. That supports me as well. And you support Kyle and his family-owned business, family-run business. Another thing I really like from them that I discovered last round of purchasing are the essential oil roll-ons. Oh, man. Those are delicious. I actually went through the rise and shine one pretty quick. It's like become a morning routine for me to slather on that beautiful, delicious, yummy, happy citrus flavor and get myself warmed up with that too. It's just like the all around magic potion spot. And of course, I don't want to leave out the others here. Michelle has been doing incredible work over at her healing home, not just with the crafts that she's bringing to the table for people to purchase and help themselves with their health and their beauty and all of the above. But her uh, podcast has been just absolutely money. <laughs> She's just on fire with that. She came out the gate and unlike a lot of podcasters out there, there was no like wobble. There was no like unsteady footing. It was just boom, professional AF immediately. Awesome stuff over there. I was just sharing uh, the episode that I was on with somebody and I was delighted to see that the amount of views was the same as my birth date. <laughs> and I was like, ah, fun sync. Is it 322? So yeah, and then Slick, you know him, you love him. Our Marvelous Demystifiers project is back and that's really got me excited. Can't wait to do more of that. Getting great feedback on it, dude. And uh, your insights just always blow my mind. And Mario, Mario is also totally crushing lately with the symbolic decodes, especially around Mars and, and the Emperor and the Tower card, especially the Tower card stuff. Good stuff, man. Keep going, keep streaming. Super glad and, and honored to be able to share space with you all tonight. I feel like I say this every time to Jen before we start uh, Astro Herbalism show, but like, I feel like the luckiest podcaster in the world that I get to do this in my house with these people. It is so much fun. I learn a ton. And yeah, if you guys are out there in the chat, which I see that a lot of you are, incredible good vibes that you all share. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, do us a favor, hit the like button, go into the episode description and find links to everyone else's work, support them, subscribe to their channels. You will learn a ton. And uh, yeah, share this show with anybody also that you think might like what we get into. And other than that, yeah, welcome everybody. How's everyone doing? 
Doing excellent. Thank you for that lovely introduction and shout out and everything. Great to see you, fellas, as always. And uh, I second your sentiment with this time of year. It's glorious and it feels so good. It feels so good to be outside in the garden again, out in the weather, you know, putting the labor hat on (laughs) outdoors again feels awesome. So stoked to be here and share about Taurus. And Gabe, Indeed. you have horns when you look at the, uh, you've yeah. got the bull horns, man. It looks awesome. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Guys, I'm really proud of my, um, my art creation for this episode. Yeah. I was telling them like before the stream, how stoked I am on it. So this is my bull. I used AI to make a flowery bull head and then I did a bunch of other stuff to make it all look the way I wanted. So who says you can't use AI art for good and actually bring your own creative energy to it? It reminds me of my favorite uh, uh, bad word in sign languages. It means bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you know, speaking of languages, Braden, if you're out there listening or catching the replay, he sent me a super chat for a, and he said it was supposed to go for a Duolingo premium account. I didn't choose Duolingo. I'm ju- I'm doing a different one, but I did start uh, a new daily practice of at least a half hour on learning lessons of, in Greek. I want to learn Greek. That's what I decided. So thank you for that. Oh, that's awesome, dude. That's exactly what I want to do. Greek is Greek's where it's at. Yeah. So hey, Kyle, what's up, man? I haven't yeah. had a chance to talk to you since our, our last time doing this. Yeah. What's up? It's nice to, nice to see you all. It's great to be here. It's, um, there's this beautiful Venusian green like blanketing the world right now. It's this particular color of springtime that really um, comes comes in and tickles my heart. And uh, man, I'm in a, I'm doing great. I'm in a great mood, and I'm happy to be amongst all of these crushers, as you said. So thank you so much for that great introduction. It's awesome, man. Um, um, yeah, doing good. How about you? Oh yeah, so good. <laughs> we'll kick it over to Mario, buddy. How's it going, dude? Really good, good man. And I'm stoked to be here uh, as always. And I was telling someone earlier today that uh, the green feels extra vibrant this spring. You know, I think for us, we had a long winter, and so when I go outside now and I'm seeing what's going on in the backyard and front yard and everything, it feels like that saturation has been bumped up a little bit more than usual. So I am just happy. That it's here. And speaking of green too, I know, babe, you wore uh, a special shirt today, right? Oh yeah, the violet. You're muted. <laughs> yeah, violet mute button. To be uh, to be new uh, herbalware. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. man, love this shirt. <laughs> oh, so I had really to because nice I knew we were going to talk violet too. I do wear it all the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid to admit, but since I had a son, I think I need to go a size up there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) You know, while we were talking about uh, bull art, I wanted to share this. My lovely wife made this last Taurus season, Taurus Appreciation Post. So I want to just put this art out there. Uh, She is an incredible graphic designer. And when she puts her skills to use making beautiful things, oh my gosh, put that on a t shirt. (laughs) Yeah, that's gorgeous. Nice. Yeah, I wanted to steal it for the uh, for the cover of this one, but I decided to make my own thing. But dang, it's really good. Yeah. That Thank you, Jenny G, for beautifying the world. Oh, definitely. 
Absolutely. With I your love presence and your art. <laughs> Both. That makes me think of uh, the story of Mercury on his first day. He ends up stealing those cows and he ends up sacrificing a couple of, a couple of them. And I think they have golden horns. I think those cows that, that he sacrificed had golden horns in their, in their Very remains. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Mercury has those horns. If you just remove that cross uh, uh, yeah, at the bottom of the Mercury glyph, you have the symbol for Taurus. So I've always noticed that. That was interesting. Uh, before we uh, really get into it, I also just wanted to shout out Kyle with his um, your Herb of the Week podcast. Sounds great, man. You are a natural. I was I turned it on and I'm like, dude, yes, freaking you got it, dude. That's awesome. I'm so proud of you and happy that you're doing that. And yeah, sounds great. So. Keep going, my friend. It's awesome. I mean, you're going to. You have. Uh, you've got. You've committed to uh, an herb a week. So there you go. <laughs> Where can people find that, Kyle? Well, um, you can find all 52 as they come out at uh, rootradical.teachable.com and rootradical r o o t r a d i c a l is my um, digital media. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, company, I guess you could say, uh, as opposed to Tippy Canoe Herbs, or you could go to tippycanoeherbs.com and find it. But um, or you could find every once in a while, just add one to the your podcast player. Just look for Root Radical on your podcast player, and I'm making some. I'm just making some content there, here and there, and just you know throwing stuff. I'm always I'm always talking, so I might as well record it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, I forgot to add a link to that in the show notes, but I just dropped it in the live. And I will put it in uh, post <laughs> in, in all the other places it uploads as well. Yeah, that's it's really special that you're sharing that wisdom with us, dude. And uh, yeah, okay. So anybody else have stuff to announce before we maybe get into the content? I know we have plenty to talk about. Everybody's super amped for Taurus season. Feels like there's a lot of Tauruses in our our bubble too. Like all the people that <laughs> tune in and that we collaborate with. It's uh, pretty like high vibe, good type of people. I mean, I may just be biased. My mom's a Taurus, the ultimate Taurus. They're loyal. There's a lot of loyalty with Tauruses. So once, once they find you and they like you, you're going to stay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We were just talking about that today. Actually, we have a lot of Tauruses in our life. And so we get along with them pretty well. Um, But nothing to announce really. I'm really pumped to talk about uh, Taurus itself though. There's so many things we could probably do many multiple hours, literally just decoding the sign. It is extraordinarily deep. And so, um, yeah, I'll save everything for, you know, the actual slides and stuff. Yeah, man, actually today, it's not the first time it happened. I started feeling like sad about the 12th episode. (laughs) And then I remembered, oh, we're going to do Ophiuchus for fun. But (laughs) if we get there and we decide we want to just like keep a a regular thing going, I would so be down to just revisit the 12 and pick different herbs and plants because that's the beauty of nature is there's lots of it. Oh, yeah, dude. It never ends. And especially with you guys, we could just riff forever. Um, Yeah. So uh, I just want to say, too, I listened to a portion of Kyle's show today because Michelle was listening to it, dude. And you have a great presence as is, but your radio presence is fantastic, man. So um, I'm just co-signing, you know, what Michelle said, essentially. So I'm pumped to listen to more. And what a great vehicle, too, for people to learn about herbalism. 
really, really cool setup. Um, but yeah, here we are. Here's the Hierophant card. And um, I'll just say that there is just so much going on here. Lots of different angles. And I'm inadvertently learning a lot about some of the symbolism attached to Hi- uh, the Hierophant and with Taurus. And um, I'm reading a book right now that's getting into the number five and the phi ratio and the golden mean, all this kind of stuff. And it applies so well with uh, the Hierophant. I mean, if you look at the card on the left hand side, you could see multiple five pointed stars. You see one on the chest or the body of the Hierophant. You see another one that's just outside of that. And then an even larger one. There's even that five petaled flower behind his head. Obviously, this is the fifth card of the Major Arcana. So it corresponds with the number five. Uh, A lot of roses are five petaled in nature, you know. So if you see kind of like a a glyph of a rose, like the Tudor rose, it'll have five different petals. And um, I'm kind of reminded when I was thinking about this um, Manly P. Hall, the first image he has in the secret teachings of all ages is a painting called A Group of World Religions. And so he shows Taurus in the night sky or Taurus in the sky, and then he shows the golden calf. It's almost like nine or so different scenes kind of brought together. Um, there's also the Apis bull, and um, there's Mithras slaying the bull, the cosmic bull. And what he he's saying is that the bull has been an integral part to a lot of world religions. And so the bull in and of itself is kind of like a bridge. And this card is obviously like a reference to a high priest. And in some decks, it's just called the Pope card. And, um, you know, the Pope, his alternate name or his actual name is Pontifex Maximus. And essentially that means bridge builder as far as I'm, you know, understanding things. And so he is kind of like a mediator or a bridge between the people and God or the heavens, if you will. And so I think that's really appropriate symbolism for the bull itself, given the fact how important it is. Um, you know, we have the Taurus field as an example, right? Why is it called a Taurus field of all things? And so um, I pick up a very etheric, spiritual, you know, sort of thing with this card, with all of the symbolism that's attached to it. Um, Taurus corresponds or is ruled by Venus. So there is Venusian energy, you know, definitely in the mix. I would say that Isis here is like an expression of Venus. Um, She's holding that crescent moon, right? So there's this feminine quality going on. Um, And then the Hebrew letter that's associated with this card is Vav, which means nail. And so the way I like to think of it is that the nail binds things together. That's what a bridge does. It brings things together. It bridges that gap between the higher and lower, if you will, or between the different planes. And so um, and that's what ether kind of does, too. It binds everything together. So um, those are a few of my thoughts just kind of right off the bat. Uh, the number five has really it's when it's star oh man mario you were going strong but the uh (laughs) the hot spot got a little wonky there we'll let you finish that thought up once you kind of catch up to your buffering there yeah when i see you a little smoother then i'll just call on you but i think it'll just take a second and so I'll cut in and just mention how the hierophant as a word is a very appropriate word for this time of year in and of itself. So you have hero, which is like the sacred or holy 
having to do with like spiritual and profound and enlightening it, things, right? And then fant is a word in Greek that is about making things visible to for things to show through or shine through to appear, to make appear is probably the simplest way to put it. And, you know, what we see right now is the holy is made uh, visible. It is made to appear. If the holy, the holiest of all holies is life and birth, then the moment where things are really popping out of the ground and blooming and we're seeing the miracle that is the regenerative capacity of nature and that amazing uh, generative principle itself, that is totally like a hierophant of that that's the hierophant moment for nature for sure the the making visible of the sacred i love that i think you're good now mario nice yeah he brings forth you know esoteric information or doctrines or also another thing with this card is he's keeping it from other people and so i've read multiple times that the hierophant um he's holding secrets that he doesn't want other people to know that he is aware of certain things that the common man isn't aware of. And so there's even some Hierophant cards where the people in the front generally uh, like with the Rider White deck, you can see the two people in the front looking towards the Hierophant. There's a couple of decks that I have where people are holding knives behind their backs. They're kind of looking behind them in a sinister sort of way. Um, and so they want something that he actually has. So he has those keys underneath his feet, right? There's multiple different interpretations of what these keys represent. I think you and Slick actually got into it um, not too long ago, if I'm not mistaken, regarding what these keys are actually all about. Um, Etymological keys, sacred geometry keys. um, It could be a reference to Aldebaran and Antares, the royal stars of Taurus and Scorpio. It could be the gates to heaven, the gates to hell, you know, all sorts of different things. But he is in between those two pillars. And so he is the middle way. He's kind of a gateway of sorts. So there is is this doorway gate aspect with this card as well. Yeah. I think that we talked about how one of the meanings could be, and of course with the symbolism of anything tarot, major arcana, there's lots of stuff. It's not a one answer, but the secret of letters for sure. And that's fun because we're talking about being able to read, talking about being able, being able to receive information or a psychic impression, almost like telepathy is what you're able to do with letters. You can put a message directly into someone else's mind. If they're secret letters, then that message can even be concealed from everybody else. But, you know, with the doctrine of signatures and what we're about to get into with the plants, there is very much like a secret of letters type of vibe with that as well. Very hierophanty. Being able to read the plants and and receive the information and the wisdom straight from them. And I think, you know, we've touched on before, but like, there is practice out there of working with plants just by carrying around the name. And I find that interesting. Uh, Michelle, that's accurate, right? Oh yes, definitely. And uh, one of the herbalists that I first learned that from was Matthew Wood um, talking about how he would literally sometimes write down the name of certain herbs for people that were coming to see him for help and just have them, you know, carry it with them in their pocket. Just having that, in your, you know, your kind of like your realm, your thought frame it brings in the energy of that particular plant for sure. 
And I do that too. I carry certain things in my wallet. Like I have right now, I have, um, I have one for calendula. It's just in my wallet. I know it's with me. So when I leave the house, it's, it's just there. The essence of calendula comes with me when I go to the grocery store, (laughs) whatever, you know? So I love that practice for sure. Definitely. Nice. Uh, so a couple of things on my mind right away is, uh, the, we're in the earth sign. We, uh, there are minor deacons of Taurus, uh, Ariga, the charioteer is just over the head of the bull. I often associate that with, uh, Mithra, the, the bull slayer, uh, the Uradnus river, which is, uh, uh, runs just under the feet of Orion. That is the third deacon of Taurus. Uh, and he's like the major hero, right? He's like the big stick figure hero with his, his power belt of, 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 uh, of superhero renown. Um, but we're also, again, I always bring in the 180 opposite side. There's the other hero of the Zodiac is down in Scorpio, like Mario was talking about. Uh, and that's uh, in Scorpio, we have Serpents Kaput, Hercules and Ophiuchus. So we have a lot of hero energy on this band of the heavens at this time of year. Nice. Nice. I love it. I wanted to comment on the, um, the relief here and some of this, these stones, we know that Taurus is a fixed sign. It's fixed earth. And so we have these stones here making these reliefs and they kind of look like flowers, but they even, um, when I see symbols like this in a flower, if I were to look at that in a flower, I would see a womb with a fallopian tube and a little stylized there. But here we have a masculine pillar with a with what appears to me, at least, as a womb with a fallopian tube. So kind of bringing these two together and then um, touching back on the language and the letters once again, um, Taurus being fixed earth, being the sign of the most the most condensation of ether into material and having that expression be available to be read, you know, a material piece of paper, for example, and commenting further on what Michelle was bringing up. I teach this in my class. This is really fun to do with a group of people, but even with just a little, just a person, another person. So it's an exercise that we teach. It's a pulse reading exercise that I do that I also learned from Matthew Wood. And I do this diagnostically too, but basically you'll take, you'll, Put your fingers on the pulse and get a reading on it on another person. And um, at this point, you'll have you can write down a piece uh, or write down the uh, the plant that you might you know that might influence them on a piece of paper. And without letting them see that, without having that visual influence, you could I usually just put it in in between my fingers here as I'm feeling the the pulse. And it's amazing. It's amazing. It changes the shape of the pulse. Sometimes it, uh, the pulse, this is a diagnostic technique. So in pulse, pulse reading, you can feel the pulse jumping out as if it's like expanding, like it wants to take that medicine. Sometimes you can feel it restraining. Sometimes you can feel it shrinking away. Like it doesn't want to have anything to do with that medicine. And this is a great way of customizing a formula for a person, um, through this particular process. And it's as simple as thinking of a plant and getting that condensation of ether and scribbling it on a piece of paper and who knows how who knows how it works or doesn't doesn't necessarily need to be explained 
I don't know, but it, but it certainly does. And it's really, really fun to do with another person so that you can confirm it for yourself. And I, and I invite you to try that. Excellent. I love what you said regarding the condensation of ether. That is such a brilliant way of putting it. It makes so much sense. This is exactly how the tarot does things. You have, uh, you know, the fixed earth sign related to the bull, right? Very heavy, very big animal. They're not, they're not known for being, um, able to move, um, you know, and change directions swiftly. I almost think of like this big boat or something, you know, you can't just turn on a dime sort of thing. Bulls do not have that ability. You see this a lot with uh, bullfighters and stuff. They get out of the way at the last second, right? And then they miss being hit or whatever. You even literally have two elephants behind the hierophant. And yet there's all of this etheric spiritual symbolism baked into the card as above, so below. So it's kind of this really nice, complimentary sort of thing that generally happens within the tarot where you it's like a full spectrum sort of thing um and so and i agree with you regarding the uh the womb it makes perfect sense on so many different levels and then also too um regarding this five nature uh venus in the night sky from the perspective of earth creates a five petaled flower um, over the course of eight years is my understanding. And it's called the Venus Rose or the Venus Pentagram. And so to me, just the fact that this is one of the correspondences and there's so much five symbolism. Also, most of Taurus takes place during the fifth month of the year, right? May. And so I think that's also intriguing. Lastly, uh, if you look at Taurus in the night sky, there's this gigantic V. And so that gigantic V is where you're going to see the two eyes of Taurus, Aldebaran and Ain, which means I. And so to me, it's just like all of this V symbolism is absolutely insane. I did a presentation on it years ago in person. And uh, I just I love the fact, too, that the Hierophant in the Crowley deck, he's actually making kind of like a sideways sort of V with his fingers. So uh, the V is real sort of a letter and symbol to kind of acknowledge with all this stuff. V Venus, the, uh, the female generative power, the, the V <laughs> there's a yep. lot to that. Yeah. And then, you know, the last thing maybe to, to point out regarding how Taurus also has an association with the neck in terms of the part of the body. Well, if part of the hierophant, the role there has to do with uh, the secret of language or that that's part of what make, gives him the position as the Pope or the bridge builder. You know, what's more of a, a bridging ability than to be able to speak to people from different places and know what their language is, or at least read and write in their languages too. And that's a, a very throat chakra level thing. You know, whenever we, have any kind of experience with the sacred. <laughs> There's almost this innate thing that goes on where it's like, ah, oh. <laughs> you know, like there's, there's so much with the throat that uh, is part of this weave too, that I'm sure we'll probably see some of that in the, the plants that have been selected. Nice. You know, uh, I just learned that Socrates referred to the neck as the isthmus. It's a isthmus, which is like a land bridge term. Uh, but that just hit me when he said it because it's got that thymus, uh, which is in the throat. That's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely, dude. It makes so much sense. Um, I recently, during my tower card presentation, talked about the Tower of uh, Babel, right? And how they were trying to create a bridge from uh, Earth to the heavens. And they were 
using language as a bridge to come together to actually build this tower. And then what did God do? He basically prevented their ability to communicate. So he cut off the symbolic bridge, the communication bridge between each other. So, yeah, man, I'm feeling See, a lot. Gabriel, of they actually call there. part the the middle part of the thyroid gland, the isthmus. Oh, my gosh. That was way more accurate than I ever would have guessed. That's cool. That's <laughs> well, so there's bad. a ton of anatomy that is named after mythology as well. Right, right. Not that isth- isthmuses are mythological, but you know what I mean. That is great. Nice, nice, nice. And another thing, you know, people can just go look this up on their own if they want. But if you look into the fallopian tube system, if you just Google what does that part of the female reproductive system look like on the inside, you do have a very bull's head shape going on. Yeah. You know, one of the things, too, that I think of with the Hierophant and uh, Mario, you can uh, confirm this. But isn't there some kind of element of there being like a secret or those two fellas that have their back to you um, that like the Hierophant or there's like some sort of secret. And so with the throat, it's like, then would that be like the shadow of the Hierophant that there's like a blockage or something because there might be a secret, there's something that's not being expressed. So just a thought that came to mind that that might be a shadow. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, that's the shadow of the throat chakra in general. Yeah. Yeah. That makes you sense. You know, even when you see people who have developed a thyroid problem, uh, a lot of times it is related to holding in emotions or not expressing them. And <laughs> for positive, positive, happy Taurus-like people who want to stay constructive and, you know, keep their momentum in the direction that they like, it can be a big point of resistance to actually admit to sadness or to, you know, share how things have made you feel. I've seen that a lot, like in terms of how thyroid problems can develop. And then the whole spectrum of that hypo or hyper thyroidism. uh, I don't remember which one relates to which, but one of them is related to holding in anger. And one of them is related to holding in sadness, according to uh, Eileen. I'd have to go reference her book for that, but I find that fascinating. Yeah, babe. No, you got it for sure. I just noticed too, uh, in the writer weight version, there is this blue sort of choker collar kind of thing right around his neck. And then also it's kind of interesting that in the Thoth version, um, you can't see his neck really. It's covered up with that beard. So that's kind of intriguing. Yeah. And it looks like the blue, the blue is like, um, his layer underneath you see, because you can see it underneath popping out from the red towards the bottom by his shoes. So it's almost like his under, um, it's his undergarment. Which is also the color related to the throat chakra. Ah, yeah. And, um, uh, wow. I never noticed that until you just said it, Mario, the blue thing. So, uh, blue beard has a very interesting occulted history. He's like, uh, um, He's collected a lot of mythology. Not all of it is legit. It's like your 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 typical story uh, magnet. What do we call that? Chance when uh, when all this the myths start to conglomerate onto one person. Oh, euhemism. That's it. Thank you, euhemism. I could uh, be saying that wrong, but it's something like that. Right. Yeah, I think we're seeing that. Uh, maybe just a theory. We might be looking at a Bluebeard reference or a nod. Um, 
And in fact, Joan of Arc had uh, a commander under that she was uh, working with. And he was uh, said to be like this horrible sadomasochist mofo, killed lots of people and took pleasure in it ritualistically. It's like a crazy story. But they have associated him with Bluebeard and um, historically. And the reason I'm even making that thread or that analogy is because I actually see the chariot card uh, in uh, the Thoth deck as a potential Joan of Arc uh, symbol. And uh, Joan of Arc, when she was captured, they, uh, they were drilling her to get the sword. They wanted her secret sacred sword. And she said that she had given it to her brothers and that they were wasting their time interrogating her. Uh, well, sure enough, the brothers are the Gemini. In between Hierophant and, uh, and the chariot, there's the Gemini brothers, the twins, and they're uh, the logo or the glyph in the Thoth deck on the twins of the Gemini is sword. Uh, the Hebrew word on their, on their card is sword. So right. strangely enough, I think there's a Joan of Arc weave with this, these connections. And then the blue beard just kind of adds to that idea. So I'm getting this way off track, though. I just had to put that all out. <laughs> Couldn't resist oh, throwing man, up yellow beard, awesome. uh, old Graham we Chapman, Cheech and Chong movie. But yeah, I, t- I promised here, myself I wouldn't stall us out. And so I know that we're not stalling. This is all really good stuff, but I'm going to move us forward a little bit. Excellent. So yeah, this is just uh, the upper portion of one of the pages of my elemental study packet. Just some basic correspondences, but they're interesting. You know, the symbol for Earth, the triangular symbol first and foremost, the circular symbol, kind of a interpretive graphic symbol, and then the platonic solid, which is a hexahedron, the cube, right? Very, very appropriate for Earth. Um, and then also just some of the other correspondences that I think are kind of fun. The tarot suit, pentacles, as you already mentioned, or coins um, or discs as well. I think that's really fascinating. The fact that Crowley called them discs and um, how does that relate to Earth? You know, I have my opinions or thoughts that maybe we can unpack at some point. Um, traditionally, with playing cards, it's diamonds. The math function, I associate it with addition. It's related to matter, the elemental is a gnome, et cetera, et cetera. The planets, right? Saturn, uh, Mercury, as does Venus, Mercury and Venus each have an earth and an air um, aspect to them. And so those are definitely included. Never thought about the, the pentacles or the discs and then the earth, like as right? in the earth not being a, a sphere. <laughs> That's great. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very interesting. Oh, but the ancients all knew it was a globe. <laughs> anyway, right, right, right. Yeah. So anyways, people can screenshot it and uh, study it if they want. Some interesting info in here. Yeah, that's such a nice service you do. Putting all of it in one place with your Mario graphic design skills. Really good. Yeah, man. Right. Thanks. So and then we've got just Taurus associations here if you want to take us through. Yeah, sure. So some pretty obvious stuff. I include I include the glyph, you know, um, as I said earlier, you add the cross underneath. You have the glyph for Mercury. That's pretty interesting to me. Or conversely, too, if you have the glyph for Venus and you add horns, you get Mercury as well. Um, 
you know, obviously Taurus is associated with spring. It's a fixed sign ruled by Venus. The moon is exalted. Um, it's said that Mars and Pluto are in a detrimental state within Taurus. That's interesting too, because it's polarity of Scorpio, which is generally associated um, with those planets, right? And so under tropical astrology, generally around April 20th to May 20th, sidereal around May 15th to June 14th, second house, um, very basic, but I just put resources and values. We talked about the neck and throat. Um, it's mantra is I have, I think that's interesting. Um, we already went over the tarot card and then the cell salt is sodium sulfate. You know, one interesting thing about the I have is because, yeah, there's so, about yeah, just possessions some, uh, and material there. Correspondence is then have is also like what we would say to put something in the past. I have done this or have had this. So I wonder how that plays in. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Well, let's get our wonderful herb masters in here and teaching us about the rose, what a good place to start. Very potent plant. Be nice. Yeah, um, I'll start here. Well, um, okay, so just remembering from the Hierophant card a couple slides back, it wasn't exactly a five-pointed uh, flower. Um, and I like, the, I like the term five-petaled flower as opposed to five-pointed star because in nature, we see five-petaled flowers, but we don't really see five-pointed stars. It's kind of like a symbolic, almost like a, a sharp representation of what we do see in nature in these flowers. And this is awesome because this is the first of all these ones we've been doing now. This is the first Venusian sign. And so it feels really nice and soft. I fe it feels uh, good to start out with this soft one. But you might remember when we first started out, this vibrant, we did start in Scorpio and we talked about Rose. There it was again. And when we were talking about it, and this is the thing that is really fun to play off of, Shell and I talked about like how we can, you know, back then we were talking about, we looked for pictures with like thorns and pointiness and we were talking about the rose hips and the blood moving and the, the boundaries and the Mars aspect. And now we get a chance to see how the sacred masculine isn't complete without the sacred feminine and how uh, symbols that we see in nature, like these boundary qualities, like thorns, they are, what they do is they create a space of, of vulnerability. Look at these petals. You could go up and pump, 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 pump and knock them all off. Of course, you're going to suffer the consequences of doing something like that because you're going to be getting into the brambles. But this is the uh, a real interesting like irony here is that in order to have room to bloom and really show who you are, the softest parts of you, the most vulnerable parts, um, it also cultivates a, a boundary and a strength at the same time. And one kind of begets the other, just like Mars all the way across the way in Scorpio and just like Mars right behind us in Aries and then across the way in Libra. So all this this play with the sacred masculine and sacred feminine. And as Mario mentioned, the the light in the sky we call Venus, it goes this way, 225 days, and then it does 40 days, 40 nights retrograde, and then it goes this way again. And it makes this really cool star-like pattern over the course of seven, eight years, something like that. and. Even on the, the Crowley deck 
uh, inside of his heart right there, there was the Vitruvian man. And so it, it makes you wonder, does, does that influence that's happening above, does that really like, again, the precipitate down and condensate into this form that we see here? And we look out in the night sky just a little bit, or just heading west right now on a day like tonight and see this beautiful light in the sky that we could call Venus. It's the evening star right now, just heading just for an hour and a half after sunset. And when you look at it, it just has this great sweet influence. It doesn't, it doesn't make you want to, uh, it doesn't make you want to like, it doesn't make you shiver or anything like that. It's just got this beauty to it. So it makes, it makes me wonder, does, does that form beget this form or is it just the motion? Is it just the motion? Is it just how things move? And that's the form that we have here for our for ourselves too. When I see things that are spread out in signatures of five like that, there's an indication of energy moving to all areas of the body. So circulation is a great um, connection with the, with the rose. But then also there's another thing about rose too. There's there's it's such a sensual plant. You really can know this plant because it invites you, like like Venus, like the the sensual goddess she is, to be embodied within ourselves, and to um, and to stop, smell the roses, and there's this inviting of of the smell. If you taste a rose, there's a flavor that's predominantly astringent. It's sucking, it's drying, it's pulling up energy. And in Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine, this astringent action is what tonifies our, our essence. It tonifies the love in our heart. It, uh, it gives us, if, if our body is in fact emanating a toroidal field, it is making that, that uh, center spiral much more active by tightening it and tightening it. And as a result, those boundaries on the outside are going to be, are going to be firmer and sturdier. And that is something that you can just get by sitting next to the plant and tasting it. You can learn all that stuff. And in, in fact, this, this uh, astringent action, this is, in, um, this is tonifying to the kidneys. It's tonifying and cooling. This action is cooling. So it's really cooling to the heart. And this is, uh, this is why in times of passion, we would give a rose because maybe, our, maybe we might be too excited, but also in times of grief, so it's appropriate to have rose on weddings, prom night, funerals, all of that. Um, I got a rose jingle. Can I share it? Your jingles please. are the best. Yes, please. All right, cool. I got my guitar here. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Rose, rose, I gotta go where the rose grows. For it's the place that my nose chose. Put it on my grave when I decompose. <laughs> I love it. Can we just get it one more time? Awesome. Yeah, we'll do Encore. <laughs> rose, rose, I gotta go where the rose grows. For it's the place that my nose chose. Put it on my grave when I decompose. <laughs> Oh, love man. It, dude. We love Bravo. My face hurts already. <laughs> there's a there's another interesting signature that I that it just occurred to me too when I was thinking about rose because it's a plant for grief. It's a plant for cooling the 
the the grieving heart and a lot of this is going on with a lot of people uh, coming to me lately and whatever, why? I don't know. But there's a, if on the tongue, the heart center of the tongue. So if you stick out your tongue and it looks like a petal of the rose, the part that's missing, that little divot that's missing would be the tip of the tongue. That's the heart. And where that is inflamed, if that, if you stuck out your tongue and you saw that there was like, it was redder there, or it looked like a little notch was missing this is an indication of the the health of the either the physical heart or the energetic heart, the spiritual heart, all of those together. There's no delineation between them. They all kind of work into each other eventually. Um, but where I see when I see that, I think of rose. And here it is on the rose petal. It, it's like telling me like that negative space right there. That's where that's where I want to look on the tongue. Um, and I was describing to um, Gabriel the other day about some rose family plants and how they remind me of wolf medicine. And the signature for wolf medicine is 90 degree angles, as in like um, something that can turn 90 degrees from a wolf to a dog and the leader of the pack. So if you look at the leaf of this rose here, there's a leader and then there's the, there's the pack that moves behind it. And so when struggles of hierarchy differences or, you know, trouble with the boss or whatever, trying to trying to find where you sit in in regards to either a situation of love or a situation of pain or a situation of hierarchy. Uh, this is the the she wolf. This is the uh, one of the she wolves, in fact. And a lot of Rose family plants have this signature of like this hierarchical. Um, and again, there's the hierophant representation of the hierarchy of uh, of. Uh, of having your place right so yeah we i know we can talk about rose a lot that's why we covered it we're like we gotta cover it again (laughs) that's awesome dude i love it i love the leader of the pack thing that is fascinating i never would have noticed you know honestly now i probably won't look at a flower without at least trying to acknowledge you know if there's a petal ahead of the rest but it kind of reminds me of the spiral nature of what you talked about with the taurus field and so the spiral nature um, you know, this is a, a study that I'm very much getting into now. Maybe you guys know more about it or whatever, but the, uh, the Fibonacci sort of, uh, sequence or golden mean golden spiral sort of thing has a relationship with the number five in particular, the actual pentacle, you know, the pentagram and the geometry of the pentagram and everything else. So you can find that embedded in the pentagram, this spiral sort of nature that just continues to go on and on and on and on and on. It's this ratio, right? And I was thinking about it and I'm like, well, that spiral in and of itself is also a bridge from inner to outer as well. And so I'm kind of seeing the spiral in a new light you know, and whenever I think of the Taurus field, I do like to think of the spiral nature of it as well. So I, you know, generally people think of the energy going out and coming back in, but there is this spiraling sort of effect. And this spiral is literally, it's like the curves of life. It's the curves of nature. You're going to find it all over the place. Uh, But anyways, I'm just really glad that you brought that to the table. Great stuff, dude, as always. Lovely jingle. I, ho- I hope we hear more. That should be mandatory for every single vibrant <laughs> Astro series yeah. episode. I agree. I got I got some more in my pocket. It's a unanimous vote. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'll throw out a little etymology on it. How in Greek the uh, word a name that means rose would actually be Rhoda, and there's a couple other words that refer to rose. But that's the one that I find the most interesting because it connects us to roads, 
like R H O D E, which is a word for the sea. So we have that uh, whole Venusian thing as well that Venus springs from the sea foam, you know? And then of course, <laughs> it would be its own show to talk about all the esoteric occult symbolism with the rose and royal symbolism as well. You know, of course, rosy cross, Rosicrucians. Rose is like a, a word past tense referring to to rise, to to go up. So there's a lot with that as well. But uh find it interesting that there's that like C con- connotation to it as well. Yeah. Well, and before we move on from Rose, one of the reasons we threw these photos in is because we're looking at a wild rose, which is what Kyle also had up, which I'm really glad that you did the wild rose because of the five petals. And so this one specifically on the left is a woods rose. And then uh, on the right, it's a young stalk of the woods rose that I took a photo of last season. And I was just so blown away to see these pink thorns and it's so captivating to me um and so anyway i just wanted to also point out the the shape of the uh, petal as you did kyle with the tongue diagnosis um but it's just a straight heart it's just venus all day with that heart shape you know and so these signatures um are just so vibing for me and uh anyway i just feel like those thorns it's um they're like almost welcoming i like want to touch them because they're pink <laughs> it's really strange to me um they look they have a softness to them but lord knows if you touch it, it is not going to feel very good um and there's some so there's something very beckoning to me about these thorns specifically um anyway just wanted to really uh showcase that for everybody Nice. I think, I think the color red and pink is a real sympathetic color because it's like, you know, you're red blooded mammalian. You are, it's, it's, it's symbolizing when you have blushing in your cheeks, you're, you're vital. You you have a vitality. And of course, this is also signatures for working with Rose because for somebody who has rosacea, you know, words like that, um, too much blood, too much heat in the blood is a great indication for Rose or too much signs of heat in the face or skin. Um, and I think it's interesting because when we were talking about it in Scorpio, we, we put up the, the death card from the Rider Waite. And if I recall, it is a white rose and the white rose is also kind of like, if we're talking about how this is blood and symbolic of life, there's the white rose of death, which is the, the, the blood has run out of the roses or as the, of the person. Right. So really fun too. Uh, so the, Mention on the Pythagoreans uh, is so apropos. Uh, you know, they they loved the pentagram, uh, all things, and I I agree with you, Kyle, about calling it five petaled. You know, Venus has a five petaled pentagram. I love saying it that way, also. Uh, and I often think about the word veneration. You know, that the Pythagoreans they venerated Venus. And the ratio of Venus's dimensions, heavenly dimensions, are still sacred numbers. You know, obviously, we got the five fingers of the hand. um, But then even, uh, like you mentioned, the 225-day orbit and the 40-day retrograde, those are super sacred numbers still to this day. Um, And we we have a lunar standstill, a major lunar standstill on the horizon for the year 2025. 
and uh, for uh, for v, uh, for that lunar standstill to be lined up on a number that is a Venusian number, the Pythagorean order of uh, modern day is going to be making quite a deal out of it. Uh, so I just thought I would throw that all in the mix because lunar standstills, they happen on the axial uh, uh, arrangement. It's either in Taurus or it's down in Scorpio. So it's not just willy-nilly. It is cor- all correspondent uh, to these uh, to where we are in the season here. Speaking of where we are in the season, the last thing I want to throw out, maybe kind of pertaining to Rose or like the the mother energy, <laughs> generally speaking, around Taurus is how I've been uh, I've been doing tunings with clients long enough to start to potentially see patterns with the astrological solar season that we happen to be in. And we're not that far into Taurus, but I am noticing a huge increase in uh, the clients at this time of year being just like it was last Taurus season in that the issue that ends up getting worked on has been very much emphasized on like grief over some kind of lack of uh, relationship or lack of support or lack of warmth from the mother. And I'm seeing that like as a, a definite pattern that just as soon as it switched over to Taurus season, it was like most of the clients, that was the the core issue that we dealt with. And I, I saw the same thing last year. So I'm keeping notes looking for, you know, to see if there's patterns like that, that I can point to for the whole Zodiac. It's very interesting. Mother's day is somewhere soon, right? Yeah. I think it's on the 14th of May. Pretty oh. sure. Yeah. No accident that they put that in Taurus season. Yeah. Yep. You got, you got mother's milk, the Milky way, the, all of this relationship with the sacred cow and, um, and maybe even issues stemming back to <laughs> being rejected by the boob, you know, and going to go into the bottle or something like that. I'm sure you're seeing stuff like that too, Chance. That's really cool. Good point. Good point. Yeah, that can definitely be, <laughs> that can be a big issue. Um, and sometimes it's not exactly like it's the mom's fault, but it ends up being kind of like mom issues. Like, like another example would be, and this is what I just will finish this thought because in case this applies to anyone and they haven't thought about it in themselves, but even little things that seem inconsequential, like a mother that is maybe 35 or older where <laughs> the baby comes fine, everything's fine. But what maybe goes unnoticed is that people with a, a mother that's older than did a hospital birth will end up prone to having kind of like future worry future fear, like something could go wrong or what if I mess up that type of fear. And I think it's because whenever you're at a certain age as a mother and you're going for your checkups, there's a lot of hand waving and like scary, scary, this could go wrong. We need to run extra tests to make sure everything's okay. And the baby's not deformed and all that type of jam that goes on with uh, a mother in the older category, which, you know, all of us are aware that <laughs> that's mostly garbage. <laughs> you know, the, as long as you haven't hit menopause, you you can produce a, a child and everything can go healthfully and happily. But yeah, that kind of thing, you know, that womb energy that is being absorbed in the womb or even like the energy that the mother absorbed when she was in the womb with her mother back in, I've even seen, uh, I've even seen trauma that skipped over like that. Like somebody being, uh, their mom was born in a bad 
place, like we're in a difficult situation and that the, uh, the trauma of that carried over to them because you know, you're an, you're the egg that becomes you has actually developed already before your mother is born while she's in the womb. It's uh, it's pretty interesting how the chain, how far the chain goes back. Yeah, that is fascinating. Um, I probably mentioned it during Scorpio season, but they say there's a tradition of people acknowledging Mother Mary being in the room when they smell a hint of rose and there's no roses to be found. So again, Mother Mary, that's kind of fascinating. And then in the Thoth deck, right, that was Isis holding that crescent. It's not uncommon to see the Virgin Mary standing on top of a crescent holding child, holding Christ, right? And then also what's occurring to me right now is the whole uh, tradition of matadors like being um, given roses, you know, at the end of a match or something like that. So roses and bullfighting actually have this correspondence with each other, this history with each other, which I just think is really fitting. So just thought I would throw that in there too. I just want to, one last thought, it doesn't, not necessarily pertaining to Rose, but what Chance said before we move on is uh, how I think there's many modalities that can help with moving that trauma once it becomes recognized. And one of the beautiful things about herbal medicine is that we're not suppressing these, uh, well, when used, when used well and with a good practitioner or being, becoming aware of how you're using it. We're actually guiding this process to come up so that we can acknowledge it and integrate it. So when we talk about rose for grief and rose for sadness, we're not talking about taking away that feeling. We're talking about honoring that feeling and being able to uh, being it like how rose is astringent and tight. It's like it's like giving a hug. It's like uh, it's like giving yourself giving yourself a hug when you're using rose. And there's other plants, too, that can bring up the just by the patterns that they look like can bring up the value and the um, wisdom within that organ system too, so that we can see these traumatic patterns and see where we, where these chinks are and be in the armor and be able to fill them in and um, stitch them up once again, so that we don't continue to pass those traumas on. It's not like because my mom or my grandmother was born in a hospital or something like that, uh, that means that every generation is doomed or whatever. Um, there are ways of, of ending these types of patterns. And of course, herbal medicine is a great one because it's not suppressive. It is expressive and it helps us um, do the work ourselves is what I, I guess I want to say here. Put it on a t-shirt, guys. Expressive, not suppressive. That's it. That's the soundbite right there. Dude, very well said. Love that. Okay, ladies mantle. So this one actually came to me, spoke to me from the garden um, because I actually, you know, I was out in the garden and I was like, oh, the ladies mantle is really coming in. And it was like, I looked at her, she looked at me. I'm like, I have to talk about you for uh, Taurus Astro Herbs. So I included her because um, ladies mantle is actually one of the first herbs that I, um, you know, grew, grew and planted as a very young, uh, you know, beginner herbalist. And so I um, was able to connect with her uh, by growing her uh, many years ago. And so I've kind of kept that tradition alive. And so as you can see, it's Alchemia vulgaris, which translates to common alchemist. And so this plant, uh, there's a lot of magical, um, 
just magical energies attached to it. So this is a plant in the rose family, but it does not have thorns. Um, and one of the other things that is you, that people will notice with the weave with all these plants um, or most of them is that they are astringent, just like we were talking about with the rose being astringent. Ladies mantle has that state, that same astringency tonifying quality to it, uh, whether it be for internal organs or external organs. Um, but if you can look in the right uh, corner, the right upper corner of the photo and you see the beaded water. So one of the traditions of alchemists even like traditional old alchemists or even now is to collect that dew and the dew has very magical properties. And so even to go to the plant and drink the dew, drink the water that is there, you're getting, it's basically kind of like having a, a, an essence of ladies mantle. So you're just like a flower essence where it's, it's a very gentle medicine, but it's a very potent medicine in, in its own, in its own right. Um, but yeah, this dew, it, the, the way that the leaves are, they have these very fine hairs on it. It's very soft. And so the way that that water beads, it's just always so intriguing and beautiful to me. Um, and so anyway, that's a practice that anybody can do. Um, and uh, it's nice actually just to go down to the leaf and like slurp the water up. Um, there is some magic um, in that water for sure. Um, so this one, uh, it, it's really great for, um, you know, enhancing fertility. Um, so this, this herb, ladies mantle is ruled by Venus. Um, so there is a lot of Venusian qualities to it has that wide leaf, very welcoming to me. It's almost like she's extending her hand to you to come, come and join me in, in the ladies mantle patch, you know? Um, so very, just very soft, very nice. Uh, she has such a lovely scent when she's dried. Um, almost like if you had like a sweet, uh, smelling green tea is kind of how I sort of can describe it. Um, but it, it's just a wonderful scent. I really like having it dried and even just like having it out in in a room in a bowl you know and give it a you can just give it a whiff every once in a while it's very nice so one of the things that i learned from uh, one of my favorite herbalists her name is robin rose bennett she talks about how ladies mantle can actually be used to complete a miscarriage and so there's an interesting um, thing going on here so ladies mantle enhances fertility so she's going to promote you to maybe have a child, but she's also going to help you if something were to happen and you didn't, you weren't able to carry the child all the way through, she will help you complete that process. Um, and so I thought that that was very beautiful that she can do both things. And a lot of times herbs, certain herbs have those qualities where they can help with the thing that it, you know, help with one thing that will be promoting something. But then if something goes wrong or whatever, and is it really wrong? Probably not. It just is. So it there, there's like this complete holistic thing that happens with so many plants. And I find it really beautiful that the ladies mantle does that. Um, and so just a really great ally for helping to balance hormones in a woman's cycle, particularly when a woman is, you know, starting to, you know, go into her menopausal years. Uh, wonderful for just calming things down, balancing, bringing balance. Um, and ladies mantle also for gardeners out there 
really likes to be in partial shade. Um, you know, you don't want too much sun on her. She kind of likes it cooler. Um, so that's one thing to think about if you're wanting to grow ladies mantle, but, um, wonderful plant to grow beautiful in the garden. You can see the yellow flowers that pop up. Um, and it kind of stays fairly low to the ground, but it spreads pretty well. So, um, if you are going to plant it, just, just know that she's a spreader and she likes to, um, you know, just, uh, hang out in the, uh, cooler areas. Nice. I'm so glad you chose this one. Um, there's something that I'm reminded of when I see this picture, just like with the previous one with Rose being a five petaled plant, one, two, three, four, five, stop. As in stop and smell the roses. Or in the case of this one, that looks like a glove. It looks like a receiver, like a catcher's glove. And it's stopping the bleeding after a birth. Um, it's helping estrange the womb back into its place. And this is how it's helpful with miscarriage because it's stopping what, um, what doesn't need to go on any further. And um, there was a, I have this, do you have this deck too, Michelle, the Druid Plant Oracle? Um, do you, oh, no, we don't have that one, no. Oh, okay. I've well, used it though. Now I know when we get you for Christmas. We should. Uh, <laughs> it's a great I deck surprised. though. I thought that between you and Mario, you definitely had every deck ever made ever. I know we <laughs> should have that one. We've used it before. Like friends have brought it over to our house and things like that. But yes, it, I, it is a beautiful deck. It. It's a great deck. And uh, it's an Oracle deck, but um, uh, in the, in the booklet, it talks about how one of the, um, youth serums is going out on Beltane. Oh, it was just a couple of days ago and getting the do doing the do and, uh, <laughs> slamming it into your face. Um, and this is how maidens stay so youthful and lovely on Beltane and, and whatnot. And so I was like, Oh, I gotta try that. I'm getting old. And I tried, I tried it one time and I went out in the morning and I got some dew and of course it's planted in a, in a cool. And, um, this is the signatures of Venus too. cool and dark place in the garden. This is where it likes to thrive, cool and damp. I mean, and, uh, I started doing it and I went to work and I started getting compliments like, wow, your skin looks great. And I was like, what? No way. Seriously. They're like, what'd you do? And, uh, and I was like, oh, I just, uh, wash my face with the dew of the ladies mantle on Beltane. And they're like, they're like, Oh my gosh, you're such a wizard. Aren't you? Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Oh my God. That's so cool. Yeah. So that's, that's my only experience with working with this plant, but, uh, but I do love the the signatures of the receptive, the receptive stop that says, you know, stop and stop the bleeding. And it's got more of that, uh, catching catching guide to it as as a receptive plant ought there's another thing too about the rose family plants and that is i mean all the rose family plants are five petals it's a uh, rosacea rosaceae is the name of the rose family so there's there's the family then there's the genus then there's the species and the classification and michael moore uh, an herbalist named michael moore is from the desert southwest he's got a, a fun little acronym yarfa 
So, and that means yet another rose family astringent. <laughs> so it's basically encoding the word Yarfa encodes that, yes, everything, as soon as you can identify that it's the rose family, then you'll already know, and it's getting boring by now, that everything has this like toning quality to it. Um, and then other members of the rose family, some famous ones, maybe even biblical um, examples would be the apple. The apple is a rose family plant. And a lot of them, a lot of these plants, these rose family plants have this connection with sacred feminine, divine feminine. Um, and even my, I, I love this example that Mario brought up in a previous interview or, or stream of the, you cut the apple in half bisecting it vertically and you see that toroidal field coming right through you, you cut it sideways and you see that Venusian star. And, um, it's so, that's so cool. I love that. I just, that's awesome about the, the rose family plants. You can see that in rose hips as well. And you can see that in Hawthorne. And I don't know what the fruit of this plant looks like, but it, they're all related. They're all related to Venus, I guess you'd say. Yeah. I love the fact that it, uh, that mantle totally goes back to the hierophant. You know, he's got that, uh, he's wearing the five petaled star of venus as his mantle uh and in the thoth deck he's got uh the lady in his lap he's got isis in front of him you know the telltale sign of a of an uh, of a initiated priest right yeah exactly man and i just have to say too it's just occurring to me right now i've been on this sort of tip uh for a little while with the emperor the emperor is throned right he's sitting down on his throne the hierophant he's throned he's sitting down right and this comes right after the emperor so four and then five i think when you see a male sitting down on a throne he's actually emulating the queen it's more of an effeminate thing it's it's uh it's more of a feminine sort of gesture for a woman to be throned it implies a domestic sort of thing that she kind of rules the roost men are more often known as being um travelers and conquerors they go out and get the bacon they bring it home so there's also this idea of the queen's throne there's a relationship with this idea of the queen's throne and also the fibonacci sequence or spiral or whatever the ratio and so um there's older like egyptian works of art where like the queen's throne was designed in a very very particular way and some people think that it's actually to encode um this phi ratio basically and so i think just the throne in and of itself i see more of a feminine sort of thing so if there's a male person throned sitting like within the tarot i think it's actually alluding to the queen they are mirroring the queen's activities basically that's kind of how i personally see it right that makes me think of uh uh hallelujah where he's talking about the story i'm pretty sure it's samson he gets uh uh she tied you to the kitchen chair and she took your strength and cut your hair uh and yes. that's the sign he's been domesticated he's been tamed he's been conquered uh and he let her get the better of him and then he loses all his powers poor bastard whoa dude that's very interesting i didn't realize that he actually was sat down during that i didn't know that detail well in this in that song he he says she sat you in the kitchen chair and it might be in the story too it might okay. be a detail of the biblical story or it just might be uh, uh, 
what's his name? Leonard Cohen. It might be Leonard Cohen being poetic, uh, but he does say she sits you in the kitchen chair and then she took right. your strength and cut your hair. Uh, but yeah, I think that is in the biblical canon as well. Interesting. Well, I, I've uh, looked up a little the like mythology associated with Lady's Mandel, and it's cool that it's, it's said to be sacred to Freya. And Freya is basically the Norse Venus. She's the goddess of love. Yeah, that's a good connection. Ah, I love that. I love Freya. So, ro- so roses with Venus and Lady's Mantle with Freya. Are we seeing cultural diffusion here? <laughs> I mean, just my opinion, but like this is Rose family, goddess of love, two different cultures. Pretty cool. Yep. Fifth day of the week. Nice. Well, we good to move forward? This was a cool one. Yeah, I think so. All right. Thanks for sharing all that, Kyle and Michelle. Really good. Of course. What a pretty one. Wow. Violet, state flower of Wisconsin. Um, gosh, where to start? Well, uh, the first thing you might find in the spring, one of the first flowers you might find in the spring is the violet flower. Um, you'll notice that there's the five petals, but it's not perfectly symmetrical like the rose. In fact, if you were to overlap the the Baphomet kind of image onto something like this, that would have more sharp um, apexes. This is not the goat. This is the this is the the cow. This is the softness. Look at the there's the there's the ears. There's the horn shape that's broad and sweeping, and that that uh, little place on the flower on the right that's all white. That's a nice little signature for me too in my tongue diagnostics when I see cracking and stuff like that. I think of a plant that will be moistening. I think of a plant that will be. Um, uh, moistening and cooling to a dried cracked terrain, which is what cracking in the tongue usually indicates like that. So violet is one of the most beneficial plants for, it's a, it's a great nutritive plant. It's one of the most beneficial plants for salads. <laughs> this is a, this is a great uh, nutritional medicine. You, what's the, what's the dose? What's the medicinal dose of violet leaf? That's like asking, what's the medicinal dose of blueberries? It's just as much as you want, really. <laughs> it's it's nutri- it's it's uh, giving its medicine through its minerals, through its vitamin A, through its vitamin E, through its vitamin C, and primarily the action that you could feel when you crush a violet leaf in your hand. It's very slimy, and this is demulcent the demulcent action that's moistening. Now, violet is one of the premier herbs for moistening dry tissues that have been um, talking too much due to friction. Um, So whenever I'm about to do an herb walk, especially the ones where I'm going to go out for six hours, I always look for a little bit of violet, chew it up, and put it down here like a little cowboy uh, um, does with his chewing tobacco. And now it's every time I swallow, it's kind of moistening my throat. This is a great plant for helping heal up uh, the lymphatic system due to uh, bringing that lymphatic tissue, or sorry, bringing the lymphatic system back into its moist state. So here we are. This is the place that I think violet works really well is right here in the throat. And then across the zodiac, 
Um, violet also works really well for our reproductive system. And we'll see that as well in, um, in the next slide here. The, um, so the violet, the violet leaf from the previous slide, I'm sorry, is the shape of the thyroid. You brought up that thyroid um, model and it kind of looked like, it looked like a little heart down here like that. And then there's the isthmus over here. All right. The, so where do we see this shape, this heart shape in our body? We see it on the thyroid. And then if we brought it all the way down in between our legs, if you're a guy, it's, a, it's the scrotum as well. And it's not this heart, although another name for violet is heart's ease. And here we have another um, plant that helps soften the burn. Oh, man, my broken heart. Or it's I'm just such an intense person. My heart is like really, my heart and my body are just like really hot. And then this photo on the right here, this is the, the flower, the flower on the left. Let me go back. The flower on the left, the the beautiful violet flower that we see, that's not a reproductive flower. That's a just showing off flower. It's like, hey, look at me. I'm beautiful. And I know it. Um, but when I want to re reproduce, I'm going to do it to myself. And so it has asexual reproduction. And it does that later in the year with these little flowers that are by the roots. Wow. That look like fallopian tubes, and they have a symbiotic relationship with ants. And ants will take them, and they're really starchy, and they'll take, they'll eat all the starchy part, and they'll just toss out the actual seed itself. And um, so they're eating the fruit, and then that's how violets. Can, they also spread through the root, which has, which looks like little lymph nodes. So if we dug up this root even more, and we looked at it again, it would look, it would, it's like spindly node, spindly node. And this is a great, great medicine for the lymphatic system. And Taurus tends to have, as we mentioned at the top of the show, it really does have a lot of um, not just this, not just the person who was born in Taurus, but this time of year, uh, a lot of people get congested because we're shedding off of our winter baggage. It's time to let, let it go. And where that tension is, is where a lot of that um, excess will manifest. And if that tension is energetic because of the secrets or because of uh, the excess that you might have right here for whatever reason, maybe you're tor maybe you have the Torian jaw. Maybe you just have a lot of excess. Remember, that's the plus sign, as Mario put in his elemental package. There's just a lot with Taurus. Mm -hmm. um, this is a plant that will help soften it flow. There's plants that will that will really get your lymphatic system going. Go, go, go. We talked about that in Aquarius with, with echinacea. You put some echinacea on your tongue, zzz, and it makes your lymphatic system move. But Taurus is the Venusian mover, just like you would lead a cow into in the pasture it says come with me and as you come then all the other cows along will come with it it's not it, gentle doesn't mean ineffective it means gentle and i know that in like the west we're like give me the strongest shit you got or whatever but a lot of times it, uh, our bodies our biology even us as people are more agreeable to the gentle explanations and to the gentle uh, leadership and that's what the plants of Venus offer. And then also I wanted to note too that the, the, the flower, when looked at it as a profile view, also kind of looks like it kind of comes back down and does that fallopian tube bend there, but it also has that <laughs> blue beard. Look, it's not the violet of the crown. It's the violet of the throat. It looks like it's coming back down to say something. 
if we look at the flower or sorry, if we look at the leaf when it's still in flower, the, the leaf when it's, when it's in flower is more curled up towards the center. And when it's, uh, when it's here after it's flowered, you can see some of it right here on the, on the very left side, it's kind of curled towards that center there. And that's that mm-hmm. toroidal spiraling in upon itself. And as it opens back up again, all the way out, then it has that heart shape. But there's a lot of times there's the new growth of violet has almost like a, uh, attention to it as well, but it also has this like double spiraling toroidal aspect to it. Wow. And this is, as you saw, as Michelle demonstrated on the Tippy Canoe Herb shirt, this is kind of like our unofficial um, <laughs> uh, mascot, I guess you could say, of Tippy Canoe Herbs. I really like the, the, I love the violet so much. I love how it looks like a cow. I, oh, here's a great story. All right. Let me throw this dart up into the air and then I'm going to walk. Oh, hey, Kyle, <laughs> can I just make a quick, I want to make just a quick observation. You brought up the whole, give us your strongest shit, but the gentleness has a lot of benefits and maybe more effectiveness. I, as an Aries sun person, and I think Taurus can relate to this too, for sure, at least in the bullishness of it, but definitely uh, Aries. I have come to a realization that is a hard one for me to swallow and hard to put into practice sometimes, but that gentleness actually requires more effort than forcefulness in a lot of, a lot of instances. Like I can slam things and, and do things hard and do things fast. But for me to take the consciousness and the attention to do it gently, slowly, carefully, that's actually harder for me. It takes more effort. And so, you know, heightened effort, heightened attention means despite that it's gentle, less physically forceful, there is uh, actually more energy to it through the consciousness component. It's the, it's relative to the surroundings, right? A bull is gentle in the field in the, to- the, the I was joking with Mara the other day on last Thursday is a cow pasture called a tor- toroidal field or a Taurus field. Isn't that funny? But, uh, but also a bull in a China shop, right? It's gotta be gentle. So if you're in the right. area, but all right, here's the story. So do you know how violets got here? You know how we got violets once upon a time. Uh, we all know that Zeus couldn't keep it in his uh, robe, right? So there's Zeus. He's going out. He's like looking for maidens and stuff. And he's like, there's one. And he finds one of the daughters of the kingdom of the Argus kingdom. And, and her name is Io. Ever heard of her? Um, <laughs> uh, that's I and an O. That's a one and a zero. That's a pull and a hole, right? So we're talking all of a sudden now we're talking about fertility again. And um, so he's like, that's the one I want her. So he goes down to IO and he's like, I got to sneak it. Uh, otherwise Hera's going to find out. So he's like, uh, no, honey, I was, it wasn't a human. It was a, uh, and he's like, Zoop, and he blasts her and she turns into a heifer. It was a cow. And she's like, okay, uh, well, she didn't find out about it yet. And so he goes down and he checks on IO and he's like, how's it going, baby? And she's like, well, you know, I like being a cow. It's nice, but I, all I have to eat is this, um, this grass, it's really rough on my face. And it's like really, you know, I'm really sensitive cow face and um, it's the grass is rough. And he's like, Oh, okay. How about this zap lightning bolt down to the ground and makes violets. And she's like, Oh, this is lovely. This is great. So she's eating violets now and it's really nourishing and she loves it. And then Hera finds out and she's like that, um, you know, beep, and <laughs> makes the mosca or the fly 
the biting fly. And that's how violets and the biting fly that follows the cow where that's how they came. <laughs> that's the story. I love it, man. I love it. <laughs> that's so great. Oh man. Uh, love it. Anagram for violet. L O V E I T. I love it. <laughs> ah, that's a good one, Gabe. I like right? it. Yeah. And the symbol for the springtime, if you're doing a, a deck of cards, is the hearts, you know, the cups, the vessels. And if you got a deck of cards, the hearts is your seasonal symbol for the spring, which is the leaves of this flower. That's fun, man. Uh, uh, the name, Viola. That's an uh-huh. instrument. That's the instrument that you play with your Taurus section. And you play it as if you're, there's almost like a a ritualistic slaying of the bull with the bow stroke. uh, And this is a, this is an instrument that was designed to mimic the human voice. Um, But it can be really, uh, you know, when you're playing the violin, there's this sadness to it, right? Um, as, As if like you, you do that for, Cry me if or it's your funeral, cry me a river kind of a thing. But there's also that ritualistic, symbolic, almost like uh, Mithra slaying of the bull. It's really cool with the violin. Very interesting, yeah. dude. I love that comparison. Nice. Um, just wanted to bring up, we're, we're talking about the throat. You brought up the thyroid. Um, I was kind of thinking about the thigh and the thigh of the bull being Ursa Major in ancient Egypt and how that's kind of interesting. There's actually a lot of northern symbolism that has to do with the bull and the cow surprisingly enough uh or perhaps not but um you know you mentioning the fact that the apple is part of the rose family and then we call this thing an adam's apple right right there in our throat so that's kind of a curious connection i don't know the story with that but i'm gonna look into it where where did we get that name you know that's a that's a very curious sort of correspondence there there's tons of mythological significance to violet. And it's kind of occurring to me right now that one of the powers of myth is to encode the qualities and virtues of plants that would be potentially important for survival too. You know, if you're dealing with mostly illiterate people for many generations, you got to tell a good story to keep that folklore of how things are used alive. So anyway, according to Greek mythology, violets were created when uh, one of Artemis's nymphs, one of her little forest maidens, uh, was being pursued by Apollo. He was getting a little rapey. Sounds a lot like the Zeus story. <laughs> and uh, Artemis turned her into a violet. So, you know, with the Greeks especially, there's like more than one version of the origin of everything. But that's giving the violet uh, a connotation of a, being a symbol of modesty or, you know, vir- virginity. And that's fascinating if they're reproducing in a, you know, with <laughs> by themselves, right? What's the word for that? And then we also have the myth of Persephone, where she was gathering the flowers, violets specifically, when Hades abducted her. So she was also kind of virginal. And Athens used the violet as a symbol. And uh, they, the Athenians said that it was the emblem of Aphrodite and her son Priapus. Priapus being definitely a, a god of like, you know, generative potency, a giant dong, Priapus. 
Uh, and there's so many, there's so many, but, uh, the Hindus associated the violet with the phallus of Shiva. So again, another phallic thing. And then uh, even, uh, the whole purpleness of it is fascinating how you have the legend of Io that Kyle brought up and Herodotus in his attempt to sort of demythologize things and give a history that was more secular. He claimed that the Phoenicians abducting Io uh, was part of like a, a back and forth between Greeks and Persians that led to the Trojan War. Uh, the, the Greeks abducted Europa from the capital Sur. But there you have like this violet color kind of tangentially coming into the equation with this retelling of the myth of Io having her being abducted by Phoenicians and Phoenicians being famous for their royal purple thing. All of that is there. I'm sure there's a lot more right. mythology of the the violet flower. Man, there's so much in here. There's so much going on. <laughs> it's it's really fun. Uh I'm uh I just want to bring forward the word vainglorious. You know, the the fact that it's a parthogenetic flower, it makes itself you know, uh, you know, this makes me think of Vainglorious, which is another Venus uh, reference. And Vainglorious is a f- such a great word. It kind of sucks that it has such a heavy judgment on it, you know. Uh, excessive or unwarranted pride in one's accomplishments or qualities. Uh, vain or ostentatious display. Uh, yeah, but the definitions are so non-complimentary. I think Vainglorious is freaking awesome, you know? Rock stars, we admire the shit out of them for being Vainglorious. So it's in a certain light, it is something that is uh, it's admirable when it's harnessed correctly, you know? Oh, and I forgot to, I forgot to add in. It's interesting, the dichotomy you're talking about the sort of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right, Gabe? Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, the Greeks were more sex, drugs, and rock and roll. They're associating the violet with the, the big phallus of <laughs> Priapus and the Hindus apparently kind of had the same thing going on with Shiva. But in the Christian mythology, there's also lore of violets springing up around the graves of virgins and saints. And there's also a legend about uh, when the angel came to Mary and announced her pregnancy to her that violets yeah. appeared spontaneously then. So kind of oh. having that virginal, it's like either virginal or sexy, <laughs> depending on which culture and how they, uh, you know, how, how they roll. Yes. Oh, so, okay. So this brings forward the timing of the naming of the, of the, Messiah is very likely under the sign of Taurus in many ways, in many uh, fractal relations, different cultures. Uh, and I believe this is a kind of a really fun weave. Um, so uh, in my project, I've also taken the, uh, the Aeon card, who I believe is the adjustment card in most tarot decks, card number 20. Um, and I've associated it down with Capricorn with the high priestess card because she's card number two. So they're both twos. They match up. Well, this is really fascinating because we're nine months away 
from Capricorn right now. So if a child were inseminated in under the sign of Taurus, its birthday would be in the sign of Capricorn. So we have that nine-month relation. That's kind of a cipher I've been paying a lot of attention to because we're going from an Earth sign in Taurus down to an Earth sign in Capricorn with this nine-month correspondence. And what's really cool is that eventually down in uh, under Scorpio, there is a, a Torrid meteor shower. And the Torrid meteor shower is incredibly unique because it's, it, it, it's a double-tunneled meteor shower. It's coming from two origin points as though it were the two horns of a bull. And you were looking at, uh, if you were going into light speed, it would be like going into light speed in two tunnels at the same time. <laughs> so I think of that as like the, ins the miraculous insemination, the miraculous double insemination happening uh, under the sign of Taurus. And then the Christ child is born in Capricorn, which is also to bring it full circle with my Aeon card, uh, that is also the birthday of the Aeon, uh, the child god of the Zodiac is called Aeon. His birthday, January 6th, which is probably where the uh, uh, Kubaka shaman uh, ties in also. Kubaka. <laughs> oh, awesome. Man, that violet had a lot of mileage. Yeah, it's uh, worthy of it for sure. It's so comforting too, Violet. Like I love thinking of it as heart's ease because as you guys were talking about, you know, Chance bringing up, uh, you know, people having mother wounds and then Kyle, you bringing up that there's like people coming with grief or sadness or whatever. So the season brings the medicine to help with these sorts of things that come up at this time. And I think that there's just some sort of weave there too. And we're coming out of winter where, you know, sometimes winter is more emotional. It's a longer season depending on where you live. So you need sometimes that spark of spring or the brightness or the comfort that some of these plants that bloom in this time that they bring. So yeah, there's so much to, to riff on really. Yeah. I didn't even bring up the myth of Yamos, who was a son of uh, Apollon and a nymph and he was abandoned by his mother and he was left lying on, which happens all the time in Greek myth, right? Baby gets left out in the wild and he was left on a bed of violets and he was fed honey by serpents. <laughs> wow. But they, yeah. So, you know, there it is. There's definitely a mother wound with him. And then mothers causing wounds. One of the myths around Violet is uh, Venus is like, hey, Cupid, am I hot? When that's his, that's her, uh, her son, by the way. So it's weird. She's like, am I hotter than those girls over there? And Cupid's like, nah, mom, they are hotter than you. And then she beat the shit out of those girls until they turned black and blue and that they turned so purple from the bruising that they became violets. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> there's a Just lot of myths uh, around violet. Reversing it a little bit. There's also myths about the child causing harm to the mother. And this happens in Scorpio where uh, there's this myth that scorpions um, there's actually a lot of different myths that are not verifiable about scorpions and what they do. It's really interesting. I don't know why scorpions of all, um, you know, creatures and why of all signs, you know, I'm, I'm finding this out to be the case. So there's a long um, sort of myth that has been perpetuated throughout the ages that scorpions actually 
rip themselves out of mother and that they can only give birth once because their children literally destroy the mom on the way out. And I think it's really interesting because I just uh, read about Set, the Egyptian Set. He's associated with chaos and storms and things like that. Sometimes the thigh of the bull is associated with Set, and it's actually called the thigh of Set. That That's a whole entire thing. I'm actually going to get into it with Juan later on this month. Um, very, very interesting stuff. But there's a myth with Set who's associated with the bull that he took himself out of mother as well and destroyed mom on, on the way out while being born. So anyways, just had to throw that out there because I think it's interesting. That's incredible. <laughs> indeed indeed that's the other thing too there's so many words too. by bowl even i was thinking apple you know is that a bowl sort of thing uh bowl bell bail you know it, it really goes on and on as i'm sure you guys know for sure the rose bowl in pasadena california yeah that yeah. b to l can totally. be lord it can be the bowl obviously it can mean beauty it can mean war all of those things come in with the bell, bull, bella, bale, et cetera. So we got a fun uh, call-in from our vibrant call-in line. I'm excited about that. It's been a while since somebody left us a message. So this is one minute long uh, and it's a video clip. So thank you to Mick for putting that in there. And, you know, I probably should promote it more, but there is a call-in line on Telegram and there's a link to that in the show description. So, you know, if you ever want us to catch my eye with something and maybe I'll put it up on the show if it, you know, fits the flow. And I think this one definitely does. So we'll play his uh, clip. Thank you, Mick. Okay. Since we're talking about hearts and Tauruses and five petaled things in Venus, I thought I would bring this up. So earth, same word as heart, right? We all know that. Um, Taurus field. There's one around the heart. There's one around the earth. Um, but what most people like don't get to is why do we draw a heart like this when it doesn't look like this inside of us at all if anything it looks more like like that like half of it you know if anything and it doesn't even look like that so why do we draw it like this universally everywhere now think of this as a 3d object that is translucent and you will if you're viewing it from the top, you will see it like that, right? What does that look like? It looks like a torus that you're looking at from the side. And yeah, it also reminds me of like a, a vesica piscis, which is where the we get the yoni symbolism of sacred geometry. Really cool. Thank you yeah. for that, Colin. Yeah, and also a strawberry. I was totally thinking he was going to say strawberry. <laughs> you're gonna strawberry beverage tonight i didn't even know this was in the slides nice yeah here she is strawberry uh definitely ruled by venus another rose family plant here so as you can see i have her listed as an astringent um you know the strawberry it's it's like a love fruit it's a love plant you know a lot of times chocolate covered strawberries or something like that can be associated with romance or love or a gift you would give somebody that you may be trying to court or something um you know so there's this very sweet love red 
passionate sort of vibe with a strawberry. And, you know, not everybody loves strawberries, but it is a very commonly loved fruit. Um, I know I love it. Um, I love growing them as well. And again, you're going to see this three, there's like a three petal um, kind of theme that um, is going to come later in the slides too with some other plants, but strawberry illustrates that very well. And then the flower itself, also five petaled. Um, these are spreaders as well, kind of just like with the ladies mantle, ladies mantle and strawberry kind of have a little bit of a similar vibe with the leaf structure, just a tiny bit in terms of just like, I feel like there's this extending open of the palm, of the hand, of of whatever, you know, trying to kind of like capture your attention. Um, lots of people know like the berries themselves. Also, the leaves, though, are really high in vitamin C, vitamin K, vit or, and iron. So, again, um, you know, the, a lot of these plants that come in the spring um, very much very nutritious because we just came out of the winter, right? So we're needing boosts or our body might detox around this time from what we were, you know, just the winter, the heaviness of it. Um, so strawberry leaf can be wonderful for this. You can eat strawberry leaf fresh. You can put it into salads. You can dry it, make it into tea. And most all parts of the strawberry are actually edible. And so, you know, majority of the time you see strawberries are stripped of that top greenery, but you can actually just pop the whole thing in. You don't have to chop that off. I think that's almost kind of like a, a little bit of a propaganda piece, you know, um, taking away some of the nutrients that that plant gives us. Um, and so it's very commonly sold in a store. If you ever buy a fruit salad at the grocery store or whatever, they usually, they, they don't have tops on them. <laughs> you know, the greenery is gone. Um, so you can do all sorts of things with strawberries in general. Um, and anyone who's grown strawberries, it's like they, they will just fill a bed, you know, and they typically, they'll produce fruit like on the first year, but they really come in strong on the second year. And so I feel like they, they'll produce fruit as they get older, just more and more fruit as they age. And then kind of like a lot of other things or, or certain flowers, the more you harvest the strawberries, the more it will produce. So if you're on top of your harvests before the birds get to them, you know, you can, you can have a huge bountiful harvest, even if you only have like a minimal amount of, of, uh, of plants. Um, so it's been used a lot as a digestion and kidney ally. Uh, so just again, kind of getting things moving, um, and the tightening, the astringent thing. So maybe if you're having something like diarrhea or anything like that, um, strawberry, strawberry leaf could be a really good ally for that. Um, and yeah, I just, I really love this one. And in the next slide, if you go to the next slide, we included a picture of wild strawberry. And so we have actually a lot of wild strawberry around us. And oh, I me love too. Oh, cool. I love the wild strawberry. And I think it's really interesting with a lot of the wild plants. And I've been thinking about this weave over the last couple of days, but a lot of them are, it, everything is usually smaller. So even like the rose, when we were looking at the rose, a lot of the, you know, the photos were a little close up, so it looks bigger. But if you, if you were to find like a wild rose in the wild, the flowers are actually quite 
small, you know, they're tiny almost. And the wild strawberry is very much like that. And so I think it's really cool too. Like the seeds on the wild strawberry almost are, are like protected a little bit more. Like there's almost like a coating over them that I notice. Um, and one of the things that came to my mind is that um, kind of what you had mentioned earlier chance of like uh or was it Kyle? I think both of you talked about it, but everybody wants that pow, like give me something powerful, right? And so everybody wants a big old juicy strawberry or whatever. And that's what we're used to. You see these huge strawberries. And I know that there's different types that are grown that are bigger or whatever. But when in nature, what nature provides is actually just a, a tiny taste, like it's just a tiny essence of the strawberry. And then I think about this like when we're cultivating and growing strawberries in our garden, typically they're they're larger and they're usually, you know, for humans. And I know birds will eat them anyway, but I think maybe the smaller thing, it's like maybe it's meant for for the for the field mice, for the birds. It's like they're smaller animals, so they don't require as much. But then I also had the thought today while I was outside of like, well, but in our society, I feel like we're promoted to eat so much more food than we're actually required to have to sustain ourselves. So naturally, we're given something smaller because it's actually all we really need. Do you really need to have a gigantic whatever it is? Um, or do you just need a little bit um, to give you just that boost or the nutrients that you need? You know, uh, it, it's something I thought of. So not sure what you guys think about it, but it was a weave I had today while I was outside. <laughs> Well, now it's all crazy with GMO stuff. It's just like a lot yeah. of like uh, vegetables. It's just like water weight, you know, but they get paid based on that weight, you know. And so uh, there, there's that whole commerce. I never side thought of, of that. So, yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah. point. I, I think one of the great medicines of Taurus is being aware of our body. And that's what that's what it is. It's the body. It's the immovable earth. And, um, and so, you know, I guess one of the anecdotes to the immovable earth that we have is just the awareness of bringing it, bringing that awareness to it. So talk about fasting, we're talking about bringing an awareness to the stopping process. It's, it's funny, the word is fast, but it's also, we're talking about slowing things down. We're talking about slowing the process of, of digestion down and slowing our awareness down to be with ourselves stop and smell the roses stop and eat the small strawberries by the way they taste delicious there there's way more flavor in one of these bad boys than the honking uh perennial front runner on the dirty dozen by the way Those Kyle, are- speaking of slowing down uh the yellow emperor of ancient china was said to drink strawberry leaf tea for anti-aging to slow down aging and it's because the strawberry leaf tea is a gentle astringent that's suitable for infants or 150-year-old emperors. It's a, <laughs> it is a very, very mild astringent. Some of these other astringents, like rose, it's got a little bit more medicinal uh, stoppage to it. This is the type of uh, medicine that I like to make into a tea and use as a compress for my eyes. Because if you've been looking at a screen all day, and I know you guys have, and <laughs> and your eyes feel a little tired or sometimes it feels like it's hard the the muscles can feel like they're they're loose they're not contracted enough having something that's going to tone them but not too tight because they're your eyes you want them to tone nicely nicely so it so 
everything sits in there and move like this. Yeah. <laughs> Moves like that. So this is all of these gentle astringents. We've talked about rose and ladies mental and even violet. These are all plants that I would definitely put even together in a, uh, a tea and then strain it really good or just put a cloth in there and put that on my eyes. And instead of looking, instead of looking at the screen, just listen to the universe or whatever, <laughs> just listen to a podcast. There's a great signature too on this plant. That, that foremost fruit is the, the violet tongue, or I'm sorry, the strawberry tongue. And it's funny because I keep talking about tongue diagnosis, but then I was like, oh, wait, but we're in Taurus. So la, la, la. Uh, that's the spot, right? There it is. The, the, tor- the, the tongue of the cow. Isn't cow uh, tongue like a delicacy? Cow, yeah, it is. I have one in my freezer, actually. But this is the but if we were to see this, this looking kind of tongue in a in a person with like the patiki uh, with like really, really carmine red. So that means hot. That means a lot of heat in the body pointed, which also means like a pointed type of person, somebody who's prone to heat because they have that sharpness quality to them. And then like little spots of this uh, inflammation wanting to, or, or, or I should not say inflammation, but like the heat un- inability to rise all the way across the surface. So having something that's cooling and, and moistening and humbling and delicious like strawberry. And in fact, Michelle makes such a great point because we're talking like we like herbalist we're like strawberries, like, uh, I like cut off the strawberry and throw it away. Let me just have the leafy stuff here. <laughs> this is what we want. Um, <laughs> and we're always taught to be like, don't eat that. It, it's green. It's from, and you know, there's so much trickled down into that. Like now where people get like a plate at Denny's or something like that. And there's some parsley on there, you know, like you can eat that. That's actually good for you. Um, it's probably the best thing on the plate in some of these diners, but yeah, that's, that's a great point, Michelle. I love that. Yeah, that's really funny. I know. I often think about the parsley thing as well, where I'm like, parsley almost gets like a bad rap because a lot of people know it as that little thing that they just add to the diner plate. But parsley, oh, I mean, we could we could go off on parsley. I mean, but yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And one of the things I'm looking at, too, or I'm noticing is that the strawberry, if you see, it has that same curved shape from the stem as the violet does. So another signature just of you know, that same kind of almost like there's like a grounding element to it. It's kind of like coming back to the ground, which Taurus, very grounding, uh, earth sign, you know, very stable. So I just kind of wonder about that too. It's kind of interesting. Yarfa. Yarfa. Yeah. (laughs) I got a funny one. Um, the, okay. In Italian, the name Fragari, Fragaria, Fragola in Italian. And uh, fragola, just w- one vowel off means horny. And, <laughs> and I'm talking about, you know, the sign of fertility. It's got, well, it's funny that we have this name and we're talking about the sign of fertility, which, uh, Taurus also rules the inclination to the desire to procreate. And then of course with, with, uh, Scorpio is like actually getting it done. And, um, and it's funny because one of the the worst things that you can gesticulate in Italian is this to somebody. If you go like that, yes, give them the horns. It means. Yeah. Does it mean, Nana? Does it mean I'm going to bang your wife? What? 
means yeah. So if you so if somebody cuts you off and, and drives around or whatever, they're literally in between or whatever. It means yeah, come on over. It's so Italian. Hello, everyone. Hi, Serena. Nice to see you. you. Hey there. See you too, guys. (laughs) Here, here I am with my um, Italian language expertise, because as you all know, Italian is a sign language. So if you do this, so you if you point the horns towards somebody, means that horned man meaning that um his wife is cheating on him okay that's what it means. <laughs> uh yeah it usually is for referees during soccer games just oh referee you're horned <laughs> meaning it's like we know that's awesome <laughs> but, Funny. uh oh. but if you point it down is to send away uh bad luck hmm so interesting. Goes like this to you, that's bad. But if somebody goes like this to you, it's good. It's sending away that look. That's oh, nice, that is nice. so awesome. <laughs> that's right. That's so cool. I love how I love how she comes in. She just <laughs> she comes in. That was awesome. <laughs> when you guys come, we have jingles for everything. <laughs> <laughs> you guys come together and you make a strawberry. <laughs> He's in the green and she's in the red. Red. Yeah. Oh, it's great to see her on here. Yeah, she could be on this panel, man, if she wanted to. Heck oh, yeah, yeah, she can. I freaking love that. Didn't uh, didn't we hear that like um the the movie uh, Doctor Strange? They couldn't put the poster in Italy when he was doing this symbol. And they had to change it to a peace sign instead because it was because, like she said, they're 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 way into sign language. That's so funny. That's interesting. You know, I have reason to believe when people claim this to be the devil horns, I think the origins could potentially be the bull, you know, cow horns. And so versus most people think it's actually goat based. But I actually think it might have a relationship with Taurus and the cow and the bull. So just throwing that out there. Uh, I wonder. Slick. I wonder. I wonder if there's animosity between the Italians and the in Spain. I I wonder if there's something about like you know making the because this is a you know Spain is all about the bull. I wonder if there's some kind of yeah. cultural animosity. No, we just hate the French. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's great. Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> I kid. I mean, I don't, but you know, they do get a lot of hate. Yo, so um, I'm going to throw in a little more on the strawberry before we move on. Uh, again, <laughs> Yarfa, right? Rose family astringent. So it seems like anything Rose family is going to be related to Venus, uh, Aphrodite, Freya, and the Virgin Mary, by the way. So that's uh, in, c- in case somebody out there had trouble accepting that, you know, she's the queen of heaven, like all the other ones. But I found it interesting. I, f- I found this article about some strawberry fr- folklore, and this is super touristy. In Bavarian folk tradition, Bavarian strawberries are gathered and hung in baskets on the horns of cattle to pay the local nature spirits and trade for many healthy calves and cows who produce an abundance of milk. 
And it was said that if a pregnant woman carried strawberry leaves in her uh, pocket, they would relieve the pains of pregnancy. But I found that interesting. They're like straight up putting strawberries on the bull horns. That must be pretty. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So that's real quick. The the purse is always red. It's always got to be a red purse. Perseus's Uh, purse is always red. (laughs) Gotcha. Two hours in, it it was implied. It wasn't said, but. Just uh, regarding the strawberry real quick, um, straw. One of the things I've been thinking about is actually straw symbolism, tube symbolism, cylinder symbolism. And it's interesting that the tube is both a pole and a hole. I always like to talk about poles and holes, but the pole has a hole. They're actually one in the same. And when you actually look at a straw or a tube, it's both a pole and a hole. There's a relationship with poles and holes and the torus field, right? And really a straw or a tube is an elongated torus field. That's what it is, whether they're veins or anything else. You know, it's a really long stretched out torus field. There's an inner and then there's an outer. Something goes in, something comes out. That is the nature of the torus field. So when you look at a tube, I see toroidal symbolism just all up in it now, basically. So the straw berry, just throwing that out there. There's an implied uh, reception yeah. and projection with it, just like the torus field. Um, yeah, man. So just throwing that out there. And then also just a fun random observation. But uh, I had a girlfriend who worked at Baskin Robbins. And she got pretty good at basically stereotyping people and kind of predicting what people would order. And uh, I can't remember all of the things that everybody would order, but I can remember two things. Black people loved pralines and cream and then Mexicans loved strawberry ice cream. So for what that's worth, just thought I would throw that out there. And it's true. I love strawberry ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) He does. That's awesome. That is awesome. And why do you like vanilla or what? (laughs) I can't remember. I can't remember. (laughs) That's funny. You know, uh, a lot of that kind of plays into nostalgia, you know, like uh, for for so many people, it's like a taste of home or a, a taste of what was the norm back where they come from, you know. Uh, but, yeah, uh, so, I, so I worked in produce for like a whole lifetime. Uh, I'd lost track of the years in Whole Foods. And uh, one of the r- many random trivia facts about strawberries that I picked up was that a lot of people believe that the strawberry gets its name because they cover it in straw for insulation, generally when they're growing it. Um, but let's just see here. Uh, Alfred Quail and Rockman says you're on a list for breaking the gravy treaty of 1942. <laughs> nice. That's great. I'm honored. I'm totally honored. Uh, well, they say that, that not only is it called that because they use straw to insulate it when, it, when it's grown, but also because uh, of the way it grows, the way that it, uh, it uh, you can, they say you can, it's strewn about the way that it makes a tendril and then plants itself in the next place. It's a climber on the ground. So uh, in that aspect, the nature of the way that it grows kind of gives it the straw thing too. <laughs> so it's my favorite. <laughs> Big love, J-Lo. Big love. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, yeah. So we could red clover. Here's, here's, here's some things that we love about cows. We love we love the ice cream they give us. We love their cloven hooves that underneath produces uh, some very fertile soil and sharing the the in uh, fertility action underground are these leguminous plants that fix nitrogen into the soil for the benefit of all to have partaken for the fertility ritual of growing in nature. So this is one of the great virtues of this plant is that it is very beneficial for the environment uh, the, around it. Clover, red clover, uh, let red clover, red clover, let red clover come over. It's uh, we were talking about luck and here's the lucky, the lucky plant, very lucky and Venusian lucky, maybe even signs of Jupiter influence in here with its puffiness, its expansiveness. Um, the, does that, does that petal shape look familiar to you? Like the, how do you, how do you say the tri scale, the, the three leaf, the three thing of, uh, it's, it's in like, um, Irish folklore and stuff like that. The three leaf knot. But anyway, yeah. that's what they say. One of the um, legends is that that is this. That is what this is representing. So let's say symbol of fertility. If you haven't caught on by now, when you see leaves of three, it's, there's the saying, leaves of three, let it be. And I say leaves of three um, make a baby. <laughs> it's like a, a symbol of fertility. A symbol of fertility. We have. The father, we got the son on, the, or sorry, we got the father, we got the mother, and we got the baby, or we got the two legs of the woman and the baby coming out from the third appendage there. So whenever in the strawberry had three leaves, we have lots of threes and fives that are going on here with this um, uh, signatures for fertility. There's um, a really neat little band of... I haven't really quite decoded this signature yet. This band of white uh, or more palishness that is in the, sh the shape of like a triangle. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to hope I'm bringing this up here because I'm hoping that maybe y'all can enlighten me, but uh, I always see that. And I always wonder because one of the great things about red clover as a medicinal plant is that it is a blood purifier. And that's kind of, that's what it all often is called a blood purifier. And, and in order to understand that we have to understand this, the quality of what people are talking about when they're talking about blood, they're not talking about like, um, they're talking about this energetic system of blood, like in the Chinese, they're talking about like energetic kidneys, which are more than just the organ filters. When we're, and primarily in like Western herbalism and even like folk herbalism, there was doctors and this even still happens to this day in like certain parts of Appalachia who will prick you, taste your blood, and they'll be able to taste by the qualities of the blood, whether it's too sweet or it's too, uh, there's too much fat in it or it's too rancid or things like that. Um, and if that's the case, what they're, what they're tasting is not the blood cells. They're tasting all of the other interstitial fluid that's within the blood itself. And that is what is called bad blood. So we're talking about excess metabolites that haven't moved out. Move, moved out. <laughs> and uh, come on, Taurus, move it on along. 
And this is the, this is a, one of the things about Taurus too, is that it sometimes things just get stuck. They get stuck in the blood, they get stuck in the lymph and it's about moving them out again. And there's ways of doing that through the liver, liver herbs. And we, and a lot of those we covered in our Sagittarius uh, vibrant. You can go back and look at that. Those were very much for blood purification through the liver. And then there's other ones that work more for blood purification through the lymphatic system and just adding uh, quality, a, a slight quality to the, to the liver as well. This is a plant that is used in Southern folk medicine for curing. All right, uh, uh, let me, re, let me rephrase this. This is a plant that's used in Southern folk medicine for certain types of insisted tumors that are in the breast and in the uterus, particularly because of its uh, relationship with phytoestrogen and how uh, certain types of um, tumors are, have a relationship with estrogen dominance. What, um, if you looked at this, like if you looked at it in uh, maybe a molecular level, you would see that this plant actually turns down the estrogen dominance helps stop it, but it has phytoestrogens. So it's kind of telling the body through its more plant-like compounds um, how to turn estrogens down, too much dominant estrogen. And uh, that's why this would be really helpful for people who have a lot of xenoestrogens or the the bad type of things that come from like receipts and uh, BPAs and all the plastics, microplastics and stuff like that. They can really not necessarily like uh, accumulate toxicity in the body, but in particular in our fatty tissues and in our lymphatic system. And, um, and so this is a plant that would help with just moving those things slowly and nicely and gently. It is a nutritive plant. It's a nutritive tonic. Um, and just like a lot of these other plants are, um, just like ice cream is just like pralines are. And here's a cow eating some, <laughs> and oh, this is interesting. I just noticing this. All right, so in the foreground here, that is a that is um, yellow dock or rumix species. This is related to rhubarb, and we talked about uh, yellow dock in our Scorpio vibrant because that is a plant that helps with the uh, elimination of toxins in the colon. And this just all of a sudden, I just got a, a, a picture here of Mario posted this of the relief of the slaying of the bull. And underneath there's the, there's the scorpion kind of pinching the underside of the, of the cow. And just this little shot here kind of reminds me of that because that is a Scorpio herb underneath what this cow is preferring right here. And um, yeah, red clover, great, great Venusian plant, very familiar, very friendly to cows helps with uh, milk production. Cows love it. Uh, moms who are breastfeeding love it. And um, women who have uh, uh, cyst and stuff in their breast, this will be really helpful for them. You can make a poultice, you can drink it as a tea. And even guys like me who get a tendency of too much lymphatic stagnation under my chin and in my glands, this is a great one for that. Whenever there's, I would say like, this would be a really specific plant for two types of people. One that has the person that is like atrophied and dried and all dry out, dried out and shriveled out because it's very moistening and very um, nutritive. And the other would be like your kapha, you know, mesomorph kind of like 
constitution that has a hard time moving things. Think of like the, the Torian bigger bull constitution that has a hard time like getting things going because it works on, uh, and it's got some coumarins in it, which is our, which are a compound that thin the blood. That's where the, you get the drug Coumadin blood thinners. They're, they're minor in here. They're so minor. There's some other clovers that are much more Coumadins in them. So it is a, a, a contraindication for people who are on blood thinners, I guess, but it's more, um, it's more for thinning out the blood so you can just get it moving and get it into your summer bod again. <laughs> Kyle, what do you think about the, how they're like really soft and springy, you know, and walking on clover, if there's just like a big patch of just clover is possibly the most pleasurable of all types of ground to walk on barefoot. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about like how it has this getting moving detoxifying attribute. I wonder if it's so attractive to walk on because in some way it might even help with like the release of toxins through the feet in the grounding process. Like it's inviting you to walk on it. I don't know. It's just what it made me think of. Great. It's well known that this plant is delivering things that other plants don't have under the ground in through the roots and it's fixing nitrogen and qualities like that. But uh, what, what else does it do? What other information is it sending? What, like, what other things are, is, you know, the negative charge of earth? Uh, what, what else could it lend to that exchange from uh, the positively charged body that we have into the ground? That's a great question. And just observing that it feels great and much more pleasant than grass, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm always like, oh, there's the clover. <laughs> Give me in there. Yeah. Uh, has anybody heard the legend of Clover uh, from Christian mythology? I always thought this one was weird. Like, where did it come from? Because uh, it's not in the Bible at all, right? Then again, a lot of like sort of Catholic mythology isn't in the Bible. But there's the legend of Eve taking a, the one thing she took from the Garden of Eden was a four leaf clover to remind her of paradise or to remind her of God's grace or something like that. Oh, that is That's interesting. fascinating. Oh my God. That makes so much sense, dude. I mean, I, I interpret that as like a sacred center sort of thing. The four rivers coming out exactly. of the center of the plane from Mount Maru, the four winds, four directions, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. It's a Northern also, correspondence. Yeah. And even, um, it's even a Zodiac map because of the, uh, the four splits, you know, totally. the solstice and the equinox generates the four quadrants. That's cool chance. Yeah, that's a great one. You know, uh, I'm getting a lot of um, uh, Empress card uh, on my mind as we're going through this. Uh, she's card number three. She's not necessarily in Taurus. Um, but part of the reason is because uh, station number three on the Enneagram is Neptune is a... Uh, an achiever or a performer with the shadow of deceit. Uh, but I just keep seeing, like you were saying about the three, you know, the three petals on the clover flower makes me think of the three. And then the color scheme here is a fit too. And that's really what tipped the scales for me to be like, I should maybe bring this in the picture and just mention it. Cause she's like, I mean, she's just exactly that shade, you know, of, uh, what would that be like, uh, 
uh, it's not violet. Uh, what color would you say that is? It's um, uh, magenta. It's almost magenta, you know, like a soft magenta. Um, but then the uh, the god of number three, like the Greek pantheon, is Neptune, and he's got the trident, the three-pronged trident also. Uh, all of that just kind of came to mind. And in the symposium, that's the physician's position. That's where the doctor sits. Uh, of all the guys sitting around talking about love, that's where the doctor is sitting. So I just thought I'd throw that in the mix. Nice, dude. There's also the Fleur de Lis down below, which is like a arguably a Trinity symbol. And then right. uh, there's two crescent moons, but I think that she probably represents like the third crescent moon, kind of like a triple moon goddess sort of thing, you know, oh, and then right. that kind of relates her back to the arc and the flower and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And she's holding a flower. Yeah. Beautiful card. Nice. Appropriate for sure. One other thing I wanted to add about red clover. Uh, all you ladies out there, it is a wonderful ally uh, while you're menstruating to help reduce cramping. And I have to shout out Grounded Extracts because they sent me some red clover tincture that they make. And I started taking it while I was having my cycle. And I mean, literally within five minutes of taking it, cramps just really subsiding to the point where it's not, you know, not very painful at all. Um, and so anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. So I'm um, just a wonderful ally for women. And it's a wonderful herb to make into herbal infusions. So you can make it as tea, but an infusion is so much stronger because you're taking like one ounce of the herb to 32 ounces of water and then steeping it. I usually steep it overnight. So I'll do it like before I go to bed. So, you, you know, allow it to steep four to eight hours. And then, um, yeah, you strain that off and it makes a very nice potent tea that you can drink throughout the day so just wanted to throw that one out there for ladies out there who might um, suffer from more painful cramps or what have you it can help balance that out a little bit so this comment is really interesting in reference to the card you were just showing but uh, evil fandango says magenta isn't in the visible light spectrum it's in our minds and that's interesting because it's we perceive it as like the mixture of red and violet or red and blue. And it's basically like the whole spectrum with the absence of green in terms of how we're perceiving it. But when you think about how color works and how light works, it means that it's absorbing and reflecting like everything but green. So like in a weird way, like in this inverse way, kind of like how, you know, our eyes are supposedly flipping the image and everything's really upside down. (laughs) And, uh, you know, color is actually whatever we see as the color. It's really everything but that color in terms of the light it's absorbing, you know. So it's like in an occult way, her, you know, the external what she's wearing looks magenta to us. But like the occult of what she's wearing is that it's green. Right. And I, you caught me, you caught me in the middle of my response to that comment. It rhymes with, it rhymes with my favorite word. (laughs) (laughs) It took this long. It took this long. There's like a, there's like a, that's a new record. Two hours, 16 minutes. Starting up soon where they just follow you around to whatever stream you're on and like take bets (laughs) on the minute mark, you know, closest without going over on when you say placenta. From now on, I'm gonna like just hint around it so people can get what I'm what I'm implying. 
<laughs> one one hand red. One hand red. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah, man, Clover's cool. There's a lot you can say about it. I mean, that whole luck and wealth and attracting prosperity element. Uh it's one of those things that you notice more when you're a kid because of the lore around it. And it's just very special when something is able to maintain a foothold in folklore, even in the modern age. And for however long and however ancient that is, that even at this point, as children, we all heard to look for four leaf clover is cool. Like there's a lot of potency and a lot of ancestral energy bound up in that idea of it being lucky. I think that's awesome. There was a patch once and it was, there's like this sketchy bus stop that was, I used to live in this sketchy part of town. And there's this one bus stop that like all these weirdos hung out at. And there was this, there's like one weirdo one day is like, look at, I found a four leaf clover. And I was like, Whoa, dude, where'd you find that? And he's like, look, they're all over the place. And I was like, this is wild. I hope the bus comes soon. But it's true. It was like, it was like, I guess it was like the most down on the luck place that you could probably be. And there was, there it was all around. (laughs) Dude, that's awesome. I'm picturing that in my mind. (laughs) Uh, Yes. (laughs) All right. We got a couple more. Oh, this is one of the most mystical ever. Trillium. Yes. Sound the trumpets, because this is a forest beauty. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, you know, Trillium, one of my all-time favorite flowers of the forest, um, coming up very strong in our area uh, right now and has been for the past couple weeks. Um, I have such a strong connection to this flower, um, and it's gotten stronger as we've lived in this area because it's so prevalent here. Um, but as you can see, its uh, nickname is Birthroot, uh, Birthwort or wood lily. Um, and so there again, we have the threes here. So we have the, we have three, uh, large, lovely, voluptuous petals followed by three, uh, more spiky, not spiky, but pointy petals behind the flower. And then the flower itself is three petaled. Um, there's such a freaking softness that comes from this flower when you are in its presence. Um, it's one of my favorites to just sit near and listen to, um, and so it's a uh, ally for women for uh, menstruation, labor and menopause. And when we were putting the slides together, or actually when Mario was showing me the final slideshow, um, I thought, oh, that's totally like the um, the maiden, the mother and the crone with the me- with the menstruation, labor and menopause. And so I always think of the triple goddess when I when I see this flower as well. And in my opinion, there's a lot of maiden energy that comes from it, though, like when you're in its presence fresh. And when I make flower essences um, with this flower, I actually don't use the, I don't snip the flowers because this this plant itself is in it's known as an endangered plant. Um, and one of the reasons it is that way is because it takes a very long time to grow. Um, and so if it's over harvested, you know, you could take out a whole area of trillium that might not come back for, you know, 
many, many years. And so you can see on the screen that it can sometimes take four to seven years for this 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 plant to even just show a flower. And then uh, 30 to 50 year old roots can sometimes be very small. And so you you just just because it's small doesn't mean that it's brand new. Right. Um, because it could be around for a very long time. And one of the cool things about Trillium too, that if you go out searching for them, they're a lot like mushrooms um, in the way that where when you find one mushroom, if you're like out mushroom hunting, you're going out for chanterelles, you find one chanterelle, then you you kind of, you know, look around and then all of a sudden you just see a bunch of them. Trillium is kind of that same way where you, if you see one, chances are there's going to be a lot, there's going to be a few others around. And I've come across patches that have literally just blown my mind of how many there are, because then you start looking, it's like, oh, there's another one over there. And there's another one over there. Um, And so when I make the flower essence of this, I didn't finish my thought. I actually will just take the bowl, the glass bowl of distilled water and then place it beneath or next to the flower to pick up the energy of it. And, you know, it's the same concept of making a a gem essence with um, a crystal or a stone that has metals in it. Um, Because when you're working with a, with a stone that has like a metal in it, so usually like a selenite, any of the ites, you know, there's usually metals in there. So you're, you never want to put those actually into water because it could leach out the metals. Well, you know, you can do the same thing with the trillium. You're just putting that water, Water next to it, and it's kind of just like you're you're bringing in that um, that vibration of the trillium without even having to use the flower. Um, so that's like a really gentle way to do that without over harvesting it. Um, so I mean, I just I love this plant so much, and I'm just so happy to be uh, showing it to all of you. And one of the things too that happens to trillium. In this picture Stacy sent us that she found trillium. It looks like there's clover around it. It's really cool. Oh, yeah, there is. Yep. And that's the other thing. A lot of these plants that we've talked about today, I've noticed that they like to grow around one another. Um, So like the next plant that we're going to talk about uh, when I went out today to um, to just hang out with it, um, there was wild strawberry next to it. And I've found that there is also trillium that likes to grow next to it as well. And so they like to kind of, you know, clan up together. Um, and so anyway, uh, it's just, it's wonderful. And I, and if you can look at the flower, you can almost kind of see that there's like a pink hue to it. Um, it, the, and the Western trillium that's out here, um, is trillium ovatum, which is also a signal that it is a tonic for the ovaries, which it is, um, this will turn pink. So you can see that it's kind of starting to get that pinkish hue. Um, and then, like I was saying, the ones out here, you will go see them later on in the season, right around this time. And they almost turn like a magenta, purpley sort of color. It's it's really beautiful to see it happen. So it's almost like it matures into, you know, the, the crone or something. I feel like this this plant carries all three. Uh, mother maiden and crone energies. And then one of the things I learned about it through research, uh, is that it was worn, like a trillium was worn by natives, uh, by native midwives and as a symbol of their work as a midwife. So they would, you know, maybe pin it onto their clothing, um, as a symbol 
Um, and I wonder, there may even be jewelry or something that was made, you know, in as a trillium, you know, and it could have been worn as a pendant or something like that uh, to signify uh, their work as midwives. And then um, as far as the flower essence goes, uh, going back to that theme of just a little bit goes a long way. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I love working with flower essences so much is because they're so gentle, but they're so potent and they're so moving. And I've had experiences myself where I've taken flower essences and it's like, whoa, be ready because it will bring things out. It will help the emotions flow or even it's not always sadness, right? Like it can it can help bring joy, you know, and that's one of the things that Trillium does. So if you think of the energy of a maiden, there's a playfulness, there's a youthfulness, there's almost a, you know, naive sort of feeling, you know, but Trillium, sometimes if you're a little too serious, maybe, maybe you're taking things a little too seriously, Trillium could actually kind of bring some of that playfulness, that cheerfulness, that child energy that you might need in that moment. Also really great to help process feelings of guilt or shame, um, you know, uh, just processing that out and integrating it in Trillium uh, flower essence is wonderful, wonderful for that, for sure. So, yes, glorious. <laughs> oh, what a Trillium. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so that's so awesome because... Is this a jingle I hear like, coming on? I don't have a trillion jingle. I'll come up with one though. Um, <laughs> because maybe there's some guys listening whose eyes glaze over a birth. Oh man. Oh. But it doesn't have to be birthing of a child. However, this is an amazing plan for that. This is a, it, we're talking about giving birth to what, what is it is that you need to bring into the world? What is it that you need to, is there, is there stuck creativity that won't budge? Um, let's, let's go. Let's, let, let's usher in the fertility of that. The flower essence medicine is something that works on that vibrational field. So we all have that sacred feminine within us. We all have the ability, we all have the maiden, the mother and the crone within us and the ability to bring about that and nurture, um, our, our projects or whatever. Um, <clears throat> however, back in time and like a lot of my old books I have, they're like, you got to go with Trillium. It's the best, it's the best ever. Um, the expulsive power that it gives to the uterus. It's just like, pow, baby's out. And um, back in time, you know, and like before there was ever, they're like, well, let's sign you up for a C-section. Um, there, it was, uh, <laughs> it was a big deal to be able to have to like <laughs> go into birth and have it, you know, move out good. Well, because if there was stalling and if there's things like that, that's when in the complications that came with birth, that's when it led to, uh, death to the mother sometimes too. So having something that helps tonify the uterus and, uh, however, it's been, I don't know, harvested out of fashion. I don't know if that's true. The deer love to eat it and the deer are way too abundant in the, in the way the, I've heard a statistic recently that there's four times more population of deer than there was when, um, you know, declaration of independence and whatnot four times more and that's because they cut down on the predators there's no more predators anymore they're just grazing with impunity and so um and so there's this bigger 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 ecological picture when it comes to thinking about plants that are endangered it's not just about like oh the the plant's endangered don't take it don't you better not harvest it it's more like well let's look at let's look at zoom out zoom out to um why you know the reasons why 
why is it? What, what's going on with the ecology? What's going on with the environment? It likes to live in old growth forest. It likes to live in loamy places. Those are being cut down. Deer like to eat it and so on. So anyway, that's why the flower essence is a really good remedy too. And a powerful one. And it's really fun to <clears throat> play with plants that they're, you know, if you read about them, they're like, don't play with this plant because it's, it's endangered, but you could still make good medicine, vibrational medicine. And um, that's spiritual stuff. And tap into your spiritual side and birth whatever hum- homunculi project you got to do, you know? <laughs> yes, those are great points. Thank you for bringing that up because the birthing of ideas and projects and things is just as important as birthing a child, you know? And it's, it. yeah, I love that. Thank you for bringing that up because that's such a great point to be um, to be brought to the table. The clan that wears that in the Ojibwe nation, they wear patches of it on their backs and stuff, is the Crane clan. I thought that ah. was They're the midwives. They're bringing the babies with the crane, the stork. Um, wow, yeah. that is so that, that tribe also has a mythology that when the Jesuits came and started preaching the doctrine of the Trinity, that the trillium was previously a four-petaled flower and became a three-petaled flower. <laughs> Whoa. Cool. That's a that trip. There's also yeah, it's yeah. also kind of interesting like to look at where it comes from. It's only in Asia and in the Americas. So like possibly evidence of it being carried from one place to the other in ancient times. You know, the diffusion between those two regions. I think so. I think that plants like that, these like no no plants because they're they're off limits and that have a strong connection to the old growth forest and old world <laughs> as it was before yeah. um, are, are really good evidence to, I'm doing a lot of research in this department right now. So I'd like to bring that claim forward some, some other time, but I think that plants like architecture, like language, like a lot of these things that are, that are coming forward now uh, can also make, make some of these similar conclusions and I think peppers Especially are in the mythology of, around the plants. If it's like, totally. Yeah. Everything, the love related stuff that we've been talking about is probably native stuff for the strawberry, for clover, et cetera, that has that same type of mythos and rose. Yeah. And the names, the names of the plants too, the common names. And the, I think the, you know, a lot of these botanical names, they give us clues, but the, the Latin sometimes is also a roadblock too, because it's like, you know, it goes back to Rome, right? Um, whereas some of these common names are like, no, we're not going to bring it back to Rome. We're going to keep it in our, in our, the way that we like to say it. And it has a, uh, a resonance that is significant of the geography and the people of the region too. So yeah, Beth root is another name for that plant. Beth root. Well, we got one more left in our presentation. You guys have done such an awesome job teaching us tonight. Vanilla leaf. Vanilla leaf. This is, yeah, this is, um, this is a, a newer one to my arsenal over the last couple of years. And the reason being is because it grows really well in our region. And, um, you know, I first came across it because I was so just taken back by the curves of the leaves. And so that's one of the reasons why I kind of even picked it because it makes me think of like the bodacious curves of a curvy woman. And because it's, it, it like really stands out when you're, uh, when you're in the forest and you see it. And actually I brought some in. 
because I went on my walk this morning to go sit with it. And then that's when I realized that it likes to grow around wild strawberry as well. So, and it also likes to grow around trillium. And so one of the things I wanted to strawberry point out about is it is delicious. Yes. And so this, this is known as uh, one of the nicknames for it is sweet after death. And the reason for that is because Whoa. when it's fresh, it does not smell like vanilla. It, it doesn't. But once it's dried, it does. And so one of the things that I wanted to show is so it's a, it's a rhizome. And so that's how it spreads. And then what's interesting about it is that this here is the flower. So it's connected to the same rhizome, but the flower does not bloom out of the leaf, out of the top of the leaf. And when I realized this, I was like, oh, whoa, that's really interesting. And so this flower, if it were to have stayed in the ground, will open up and have all these white, really nice white, tiny flowers on it. But I thought it was really interesting that that's the growth pattern of it there. Um, and then again, we have the triple, the triple leaf. So kind of like a, I always just, I do associate with the, with the goddess, but it is also mother, father, child. So same thing, Kyle, I loved how you said that about the red clover, the legs and then the child coming out too. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and so this is, like I said, once it's dried, super delicious as a tea. Um, I've had it as a smoke blend with just mullein and vanilla leaf, and it is out of sight. I have to say it is serious. It smells amazing when you burn it. When you're smoking the cigarette, it, it smells of sweet vanilla um, and it tastes of sweet vanilla. And that was another reason why I included it because there's such a sweetness and a loveliness to Venus. Um, and so what better way to kind of have just a sweet, lovely, you know, essence of vanilla around. Um, and so this was and can be used as like a bug repellent. So you can actually even bring this into the house. I, I've, I've even heard that people have used it to repel bed bugs and stuff. So you would take, you would bring these leaves in to your home or put them wherever you're having, uh, maybe a, a, like a bed bug problem, um, mosquitoes. And the other thing too is that this plant, like out in nature, it really has no pests that will find it and kind of come to eat it or whatever. So there is some sort of repellent from um, pests that it gives off for sure. Um, and I'm just, I'm like touching it right now and it has the very, it's just very light and gentle and soft. Um, so there's that energy to it. It really loves to grow in shady areas. Sometimes you'll find it around creeks or something like that. So there is sort of like a diuretic um, aspect to it to be able to move fluids through the body, specifically urine. So you're going to be able to process. And again, something else that pops up during this time of year that will help us move things through the body. A vanilla leaf uh, can be a really good one for that as a tea. Um, and yes, uh, it was used as an ally for tuberculosis at points too, and it still can be. And so again, we're working kind of with the throat, even though tuberculosis and stuff will be in the lungs, but you know, as you're coughing, you know, you're, you're irritating the throat. And so the vanilla leaf would be wonderful ally for that as well. Um, 
And then another detoxing element of it too, like if you were to use this, um, you can use it to induce vomiting. So you would, you could, um, you know, maybe even eat it fresh to do something like that. And that would be used for something who is somebody who is maybe poisoned or has to maybe get something out. Like you want to get something out of you. Um, Vanilla leaf is an ally for that um, while it's fresh for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just one of the more captivating ones um, in the forest and it likes to grow kind of low to the ground. And, you know, these stalks of it, the the stems are very hardy. It's actually a really, the stems are very hardy and the leaves are very soft. So um, just kind of interesting. Again, um, it reminds me of the strength of a, of a woman, strength of a mother. You know, a mother is soft in a lot of ways and fathers can be too, but she stands really strong. Like her, 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 her trunk, um, is strong, you know, but she has a softness to her. Um, and, uh, I feel like this plant really illustrates that really well. So there's vanilla leaf for you. I, I'm not familiar with this plant at all. I didn't, I didn't know it even was a plant until a couple of days ago when you mentioned that you were going to do it, but the vanilla, I, I just did one quick search now. And I would say that the, the, compound that smells like vanilla in plants is coumarin and that's what you get from fresh hay that's that smell of fresh hay that smells like more like botanical vanilla and that's what i mentioned was in the red clover that is the ingredient that thins the blood and it's in other clovers too that has that vanilla like smell but it doesn't smell that way until after death after the plant has died and okay so because it thins the blood it, and because it's called sweet after death, it just, it, uh, I'll just bring this to the surface and let you guys take it, but it does remind me of the Hierophant card once again, because um, what power does the Hierophant have other than the promise of sweetness after death, right? And also the ability to preserve a body might be a little bit more, I'm, I'm just shooting from the hip here, but if you, if one was, blood was thinner and not gunked up with heavy blood and bad blood. Um, the, a, a corpse may be able to lay in wake more pleasantly. Let me put it that way um, for people, for people to enjoy. And so having something like this underneath a, uh, or even being consumed close to the time or in old age and other plants like red clover as well for vitality, but also for <laughs> um, the sweetness after death. Yeah, man. Uh, so many thoughts. That's a great point, though. The uh, preserving of the of the body for the you know for the sake of the uh, of ceremony and ritual, giving everybody a chance to uh, to find um, uh, atonement, you know, to come together and uh, and see somebody into the afterlife. But that sweet after death, for one, it's an acronym for sad. S-A-D, but it has this, it's like this bittersweet, the two-sidedness of like, you know, maybe it's better that this, it's this way. And in time, we will see why it had, this had, this had to come to pass. You know, it's very interesting how profound uh, that is. But also, uh, I hate to give any attention to Scientology or Tom Cruise, uh, but Vanilla Scott. You live in the same neighborhood now. What? <laughs> what? You're like, oh wait, you live with Mormons. I forgot. You got Mormon neighbors now. 
Right, right. I'm with the fucking Mormons. <laughs> Philosophically. Spinoza uh, Boulevard. Spinoza Einstein Boulevard. Um, well, uh, Vanilla Sky, the film Vanilla Sky, which I really enjoyed that film. That was before I knew what Scientology was all about. But that is about him making a, a false uh, afterlife for him to upload his consciousness into after he's dead. And so it's a sweet after death experience for him. And he wants the sky to be vanilla uh, all the time. And I absolutely love that term, a vanilla sky. I love the term, uh, but it just sucks that it came to us through the freaking Scientologists. But I thought I'd throw all that in the mix. Michelle, you think you can smuggle some of this when you come my way? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll I'll dry some, and I I already have a plan to go out tomorrow to harvest more because uh yeah, she's a beauty, and it's uh it's very it's in a great stage right now, so I'll definitely smuggle some for sure. Nice. Yeah. Well, guys, is that all we got on vanilla leaf for now, huh? Yeah, I think so. I, that's a new one to me. I think it's not uh, extant anywhere, maybe other than over on your coast. So never seen it before or not consciously. Yeah, it's pretty common to uh, Washington, Oregon area, like specifically where we're at, for sure. In the uh, Cascades, um, Columbia Gorge likes it where it's cool and shady. So, yeah. And I so know guys, that there's areas around Portland, like um, in, there's certain parks around Portland that I've seen it in too. But yeah, I think I think Trillium might have been my favorite. I'm I don't think I've ever heard of Trillium. Does it have a Does it have a region that it's specific to, or is it Is it pretty commonplace? Well, I, I mean, I know even out in Wisconsin, there's Trillium. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not sure like what all, where all the regions are with it, but yeah, there's it, different it types. In, it grows in the forest, it grows in dark, dark forest. Oh, okay. Okay. It's, it's ephemeral. So you'll see it before the leaves pop up. So once the leaves oh. pop up, they shoot it out. Okay. So maple forest. If you find, if you know any maple forest around, then that's where you find it. You know, what, our buddy also, Marty Leeds has a story about, Noticing the Trinity in Trillium and having like a spontaneous transcendental experience that broke Whoa. him out of a kind of materialistic malaise and took him into the path he's in now. Oh, wow. Wow. That's beautiful. I, I'm, I'm very interested. I was, I just said, I just thought of something too. I said a yeah. may, maypole forest, a maypole forest. Uh, yeah, man. I'm really interested in that. If if Marty's listening, I would love to connect with him about that. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a really good story. Yeah, something about the trillium really like hits hits a chord for me. You know, the fact that it works so hard, like, uh, you know, much like a uh, and it has the birthing, you know, the birth fruit uh, orientation because it takes it's so much work and effort to bring a baby into the world and then. Even the three-pronged nature of the flower, that makes me think of anybody who's done reusable diapers, cloth diapers, you know, that's the perfect ideal shape. Yeah, you Ah. you got (laughs) to fold fold your rectangle into a triangle, and then you put it, yeah, and then you swaddle the baby in that Mm. perfect, 
three-pronged shape. That's really beautiful. Good call. Nice. Nice. By the way, Maypole, obviously Beltane just recently, right? May Day, May 1st. How is that not a uh, world axis, cosmic axis symbol? And oftentimes you'll see a circular thing uh, right above in the middle of the pole or, uh, you know, kind of hovering above it or whatever. And so poles and holes, you know, I love the tradition. I think it's so cool. I almost did a post about it, but decided not to. But I'm I'm glad you brought it up. It's the appropriate time. This this brings up a kind of an interesting topic for me, the maypole. Um, You know, traditionally, I've, I've participated in a maypole ceremony a long time ago. and um what what we did in our ceremony the boys were on blue ribbons and the girls were on green ribbons and the boys would go in one direction and the girls would go in the other and we would switch and weave so that you know you go to the left and then the right and the left and the right and when you get done the ribbon generates a perfect woven basket uh formation on the pole and that kind of threw me for a little curveball when I was young, when we did it, because uh, that it's also the shape of a DNA strand or what we're told the DNA strand is all about, that weaving, spiraling uh, matrix uh, pattern to the extent that even when I was young, I was thinking, are they just giving us ancient symbolism as a uh, as a visual for what DNA is all about, you know, are we actually, are they fusing ancient to ancient tradition in packet repackaging it as science was my thought. God, I have gotcha. a little weave on the maple though, Mario. Yeah, please. The, uh, the Latin name for it is acre like A-C-E-R or Acer. Yeah. Acer is Acer. basically the name of uh God to the Etruscans, like the top, the top God that the other gods emanate from. And the Druids called it Acer as well. You have the Aesir in the uh, Norse mythos too, being the name of all the gods. So maple being a, a maypole, that makes sense. May being related to the bull and the, uh, the Celts who have the Druidic tradition, they had a symbolism with the maple leaf being tied to their goddess of fertility, Dana. So probably a lot more there to dig into. You know, it's something, a future project I want to put effort into is like the symbolism of trees and maybe how language and all that <laughs> letters plays into it as well. Because I know there's so Excellent. much more to discover and it might connect a lot of dots. That's hell yeah, dude. I love what you just put out there right now. (laughs) So I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, So if you guys are like needing a jet, please don't feel like we got to, you got to hold it down. We've been here for a minute, but uh, I have a couple more videos from Mick Two two more minutes from Mick on the heart, which I thought was great. And uh, I'm going to play that if you guys are cool. Totally. I guess since chance liked that, I have to do a part two now. Okay, so to let me finish, from the bottom, we would see this, right? And it looks more like a point in the center, right? So this is like if we were viewing a torus from like the top or the bottom, and that's the bottom view of the heart, right? So like kind of crazy there as well. But then if you go around the sides of it, you get 
a raindrop or an upside down raindrop. You know, the whole um, as above, so below. Water's below, water's above. Um, there's water. Earth is mostly water, isn't it? Like more than land? Um, we're mostly water. <laughs> like, so, you know, like it's all encoded there. A water being symbolic of emotions, right? You feel with your heart. Bam, that's all encoded. Big I'm going to play the next one too, but I just love it. Like, is that a wall in your house, man? Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. It's great. And we'll even, keep going even, before we respond to that. Okay. Right? So did you know that you can stick a magnet to yourself? Anyone can do this. You get a neodymium magnet, which is really thin, but really strong and really light. And you can stick it on the side of your nose, both sides. You can stick it on the side of your neck, both sides of the neck. You can stick it on your chest, on your back, and you will be able to feel this. Like if you just hover it over the body, you can feel it pulling. <laughs> like you'll be able to feel it. It'll be very obvious that it's actual magnetism. Um, also like the lower back like where people have love handles i guess that's where it would stick and the back and only one side of this magnet will stick the same side mind you on a fridge both sides will stick wow that's cool do you think wow. people have love handles as a protect like the body builds up mass as a protective layer against yes the Against the the stress hormones, which are the uh, adrenals, right there. Those are the the hormones that that we that we use to project our fight or flight state out into the world. But we also uh, receive the sympathetic. This is the hormone uh, part for that. And I think I wondered sometimes because I was like looking at myself in the mirror, and I was like, huh, I wonder if I'm if I'm protecting myself against all the stress. <laughs> I wonder if that what you just said puts an association to like adrenal fatigue and uh, coffee abuse and stuff to the love handle. Right. Right. And it's, and it's the love. It's like, don't uh, lean, lean into the love and not into the stress response. You know, it's like self-soothing. Uh, yeah. But thank you for those clips, Mick. I hadn't thought about the symbol of the heart in that much depth before. And I really like your the yeah. whole vibe you have going on there. And then another thing I felt like sharing uh, some more uh, te telescope work from Logan. And thanks for that super chat earlier, Logan. Su he super chats like almost every stream. I really appreciate that. So That's this great. is his uh, scope work with the moon tonight, the 3rd of May. And wow, she's crushing with his scope work in that in your yeah. telegram channel. It's awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's super clean. Yeah, it's one of the uh, the highlights of the whole Telegram group is the scope stuff. Dang. That's probably so much fun. Yeah, great wow. stuff there, Logan. I'm just going to let it play the last 20 seconds, man. That is so cool. Yeah. It's a scope, not a camera? Actually, I think it's, it's like a, a camera a with a telescoping lens. It's a, I'm pretty sure okay. it's a DSLR. That's where wow. you kind of have that digital waviness to it. Right. He and had just, really good footage of Aldebaran that he posted. I think it was last week on his Instagram. 
And I was, you could see a face in there. It was really cool. I don't even know if I follow him on Instagram. I should though. He's on there. <laughs> cool. just, I got to, I just got to point out like the, all those, those impact craters are spherical. They, and maybe some of them somewhere that I'm not seeing are oblong as like, as though it were a glancing blow, but almost all of them are direct hits implying right. some sort of attractiveness, some sort of mm, something other than what we're told. Uh, exactly. Some other phenomenon, right? Yeah. Some, something yeah, no, is drawing, drawing them in at a right angle to, to generate a perfect circle. Also, I bet some people in the heard, chat would like to know what Logan's uh, Instagram handle was. If yeah. anybody knows it or if he's listening still. I'm pretty sure it's just at Logan Cook. Well, other than that, too, people who aren't already a part of it, I'm putting the Telegram group chat link here. So you jump in there and chat with us all day, any day. Really awesome people in there. I know from my own experience that I've had so much better results questioning that group than Googling for information. Like, you know, Michelle, one time I had seed ticks and I asked you and some other herbalist type people what I could do about it, you know, because Google was telling me to get rid of the chiggers on me and my dog. I needed to just poison us. <laughs> and you gave me this really great tip about using witch hazel and benzonite clay. And I just had to do a few applications and it totally soothed the issue and removed the issue. So, you know, thank you for being the truth giver rather than the Google poison peddler. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. You got it, man. We have to help each other with that kind of stuff. Well, that's what Telegram's all... great for is we can actually do that. It's a human search engine. It's amazing. Yeah, it definitely is. And I just put Logan's, uh, hopefully he doesn't mind his Instagram handle in the chat, but it's uh, at cook Logan 97. <laughs> too late. <laughs> yeah. Too late, too late. Sorry. <laughs> we were going to say it anyway. So, <laughs> well, his, his, uh, camera work is so cool. So you guys have any closing thoughts on any dangling chads or just things you want to promote as we close out this amazing hangout we've had tonight. I really loved it. There's a, there's a plant from uh, North America and India, from the Ayurvedic tradition. It might be more appropriate for cancer. It's what grows in the water, but I just wanted to mention its name in Sanskrit. It's V-A-C-H-A, sometimes pronounced Vaka. Sometimes pronounced vacha. And the other day, a Latin word for cow. And we know yeah, there's a huge affinity from Latin. For cow. The other day, and this is a plant that's, uh, it has a, a sword. It looks like a sword uh, leaf that just gets nice and tall. And so it has this very interesting pole, pole like connection coming out of the water. And uh, it's very specific for the energetic throat. Um, the, the, for expression and vodka, the cow, the throat, the Taurus area of the body. And, um, so I've, I've recommended this plant, um, to people who come in and they, they, they have a hard time expressing themselves. They got something they got to get off their chest. They have, they feel like they have a frog in their throat. They have a hard time communicating whatever their ideas are. Um, they just feel like they're, they're tongue tied or their words aren't coming out right. Or there's some sort of barrier between the them and the verbal expression of the logos. And the traditional way of working with this plant is just to chew on the, 
the root and like little pieces of the root. It's really bitter. It's really invigorating. It's quite something. And, um, yep. It's got these like phallus like appendages and stuff like that. And I didn't want to spend too much time on it, but I thought it was really, I think it's really cool that the Sanskrit name of this plant, um, is related to the same word, which is also the Sanskrit word for voice. V-A-C-H-A. Yeah, and buddy. So the same word that we would pronounce for cow. And this plant has been very, very helpful for even, you know what? I would recommend this plant to anyone who is learning a new language and trying to speak it. Wow. The energetic expression. So Chance, this would be a great plant for, for to help with that. And, um, or anybody who's like, there was somebody who, who wanted, who start who was doing mass and they were doing a Latin mass and they're in the choir and they, they needed to connect with the music and they started taking this plant and that was really helpful for them. So yeah, there's something for you for, if you feel like bottlenecked and, and sluggish in this Taurus season, um, this is a plant that's also very stimulating to the mind, to the memory and to the, the connection between the memory and the voice. Calamus. Calamus root makes you holler in a hoot and improves your memory. <laughs> nice. Uh, so that's, that, that was my little top last hat thing in the there. <laughs> Man, uh, so I, uh, I love that. But then we're coming back to the thymus and the isthmus and the voice, uh, which was where we started, bringing it full circle. And oh, it just. And- Oh yeah, okay. You go ahead. Sorry, I'm it just, about to steal the thunder because it just dawned on me. It's dawned on me too. Like <laughs> we got there first. You get it. okay. We're uh, we're at the uh, crossing point of the Analima uh, as we enter into the Temple of the Bull. Uh, as we go into Taurus, we're at the X of the Analima, which is the throat of the entire figure eight shape. And so that's really fascinating as well. That that's the voice center. I love this. This is great. Well, and vodka is cow, and vodka right. is voice. Exactly. What a trip! And Mars pops that says he looked up vodka in Sanskrit means speaking. So there yep. is. Right. Wow, dude, it's right there in the language. The association with the the bull and the voice. That's exactly. freaking sweet. And the plant. The plant is named that. That's the name of the plant. It's named voice. Voice. Here's bowl. another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love this weave. Dude, this is so powerful and potent. I once read that Egyptian priests will basically put an onk. It's either underneath their tongue or on their tongue. And I understood it that they uh, somehow drew it on their tongue or somehow in their mouth. And um, this somehow basically charged, you know, what they were saying. Right. So it was some ritual based on the voice and expression and communication and all this other stuff. And uh, there's a relationship with the onk being the Tau cross as in Taurus. So this is a whole thing we can unpack forever. And we're already three hours in, but you know, yeah, we know you cows are actually some really talkative, stuff. right? You ever be around a cow field? They talk a lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. Wow. That is great. That's great. I just heard something about that a week ago, Mario. That's so profound that we're, we're weaving on it tonight. I love this. Did, did I understand it correctly? Is that kind of what you heard basically? Nope. Yes. Yes. Totally. Okay. It was like, um, had to do with like, uh, uh, building up, yeah. Building up energy, saving like what all of your thoughts, saving them up and, uh, uh, in preparation so that when it does come forward, it's like, it's almost like drawing a bow and it's like you totally. further back you pull it, the more pumps it's going to have. Yeah. That's cool. 
It reminds me of a time there was a, I was at a barbecue and there was a bowl of cherries and I took a cherry and I tied it. I took, I ate it and I tied the cherry in a nut and I put it under my tongue and I left it there for a lot, for like half hour. And then later on in the night, I was like, Hey, you guys want to see a trick? And I took a cherry <laughs> and I put it in my mouth. And then I took out the one that I had that was already, and it was, it was that it was like, it had built up all of that power to make it. People were like, what? You can do that with your, how'd you do that? And I was like, <laughs> it was <Trickster>. awesome. <laughs> That's great, dude. I love it. Party trick bravo. Bravo. Uh, <laughs> glorious. Yep. So I'll just say as it well was, to, it, uh, it, go ahead. it's tongue tied. <laughs> it yeah, was tongue tied. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. The totally. tongue tied weave comes back. <laughs> my memory is fuzzy, but when I read about this onk thing in the mouth, uh, I recall it being a green onk specifically. And um, it just reminds me of the heart chakra as well. And the Taurus field thing and everything else with our hearts and blah, blah, blah. So that's what I have. Uh, my only little announcement is that I'm going to do a Hierophant card presentation on Friday. So people can look out for that either live or they can obviously check it out after the fact, but uh, it's going to be a good one. So that'll be fun. Nice. And Mario is always deep diving. I want to just promo that a little extra on top. You know, if people like tarot symbolism and they want to learn more about it, it's not just like we're going to look at the Hierophant card that you know and love from the writer way or just the Crowley deck. Mario's got decks on decks on decks. <laughs> And then probably pulls up images from other decks he doesn't own or old ass ones. And so you're going to get like a walk through the history of the whole thing. And it's probably going to be a huge way to upgrade your knowledge on that particular symbolism. I mean, not probably. It definitely will be. So people check that out. Symbolic Studies on YouTube. He's also on Rockfin. Definitely support this gentleman. Yeah. uh, Everybody here on the panel, actually, all of them have great independent content. and. just feeling so lucky that I get to hang out with you guys on a monthly basis. I've got, I've got two, two things. I want, well, three, three things I want to throw in the mix. Uh, uh, Mario, uh, this is a really fun one. Uh, back when I was doing my territories work, the Hierophant is absolutely up there. Like in Montana, it's like in that Northwest quadrant of the United States and one thing I discovered in my in my early project was that Helena, Montana is like smack dab in the middle of Taurus. Uh, and the that name of the town, Helena, Montana, is a double anagram. It is both a tone heel a man and on the Analima. And there's a little misspelling, like I think the Analima doesn't have double M's or something. It's like on, on the Analima, but only with one M. But it blows my mind that the town of Helena, Montana, which has fascinating history, um, is like a double whammy for the anagram factor. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say was I just did a show with Chris on King of Cups. And we're talking about the nostalgia spell and how Ooh. there's... Yeah, how there's like this powerful natural current that's drawing us back to the 80s and the 90s and how that's definitely going to be harnessed in uh, very subtle, magical ways. So I encourage everybody when that comes out, I think it'll be about a week or so. He's got a full plate. So when that comes out, uh, I hope everybody gets a chance to see. 
Cool. And that sounds good, man. There's definitely something to it. Uh, it's immediately causing thoughts to erupt in my mind. Yeah. As I'm highly susceptible to that particular type of magic. <laughs> yeah, same. I've had to work on that. That's one of my things I've had to pull away from. Yeah, I currently have a, a mild Legend of Zelda addiction. Re, re, uh, what's the word? It's recurring. It's come back. You know, <laughs> it's been a long ass time, but somehow it is. Uh, I'm back into that a little bit. So, but it's cool. You know, it exercises the brain. At least it's not mindless. Yeah, uh, Michelle, you got any closing thoughts or things to promote? Um, as always, had a really great time with you guys, and this was a fun one. I mean, I'm always looking forward to them, but there was something very special about this Taurus edition that I yeah, I feel it. Yeah, it was it, was, it was like building up. Mario and I were talking about it too. Yes, definitely feeling the love, and that we were just really pumped for this one because there are so many weaves that we knew were going to come. Um, I had a really great episode with Beth Martins yesterday on the healing home. So anyone who didn't catch that live, and if you want to, if you want to get to know Beth's story a little bit more, we had a really good conversation. Um, so you can find that on the healing home YouTube under the live tab. Um, and then also, um, the healing home is now on Spotify, which is very exciting. So you can find me on Spotify. That's a new one that Mario and I have finally crossed that threshold. Um, and then I will be on um, Beth Beth's show on uh, May 10th on the King Heroes Journey podcast. So that's very exciting as well. Um, and then Mario and I have uh, last Thursday tomorrow. Um, so anyone who wants to hang out and get casual with us, have some uh, nice uh, cheeky drinks and... Uh, to see what we want to weave, come on and hang out. And otherwise, love you guys. And thank you again, Chance, for hosting. It's really awesome that we get to do this. Before I kick it over to Kyle for any closing shots, there is a question in the chat or like a realization that this has been a monthly thing. And so I recommend people who are new to it. I'm going to find a, I'm having trouble getting to the link, but I'm going to get a link to you for the playlist. So you can go back and check out the uh, previous six months. We've been doing this for six months, guys. This is the seventh. And uh, man, Jim and I, that we're going to have a lot to say about that. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. going to get eloquent. And uh, we might even be here for four hours on that one. <laughs> Jim and I can talk. I'm excited. Yeah, Kyle, you got anything for us? Uh, I just want to thank you again. I really enjoy your company and I really enjoy the chat. I don't always pay attention to it while I'm here, but I go back and look and some of the, the brightest minds on the internet in the chat here on these nights too. Um, I'm doing some work with, uh, I'm starting a little thing, Root Radical. And eventually, once I feel like I'm getting uh, the hang of it, I'm going to start doing some live stuff too. Because that's where like flow state stuff really is. And um, I really, I really enjoy this type of, work doing flow state and hanging out too. So that's where I'll be heading eventually. But for now, I'm just putting my thoughts down while I, while I have a chance to get, get away, get away once in a while and do that. And uh, yeah, thank you so much y'all. I really look forward to uh, seeing you in person someday as well. Um, hopefully sometime we can meet this summer and um, maybe, and uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, y'all. Thanks for tuning in too. Absolutely. Great. Yes. I yeah, announce a few of my things. Uh, oh, Gabe, you got something? Well, I just wanted to tell Kyle it was awesome to meet your Italian goddess. 
Oh yeah, she's <laughs> that was she's awesome. super fun to hang out yeah. with. Yeah, also she's hilarious. <laughs> uh, we, Kyle, we went to that same breakfast joint the other day, and uh, Jenny and I were both thinking like we can't even come here without uh, remembering the fondly going to breakfast with you two and Davi Day. Okay. Such a good time. Thanks. Y'all are definitely like family. But I want to announce too that I would love to get people on the calendar for my tuning stuff. If that sounds interesting, express, not repress, get to the root of some of the issues that may have been seeming like personality problems for you or innate flaws in your soul or character that might actually just be related to stuck energy or unconscious beliefs or expectations about life that you actually have the option to change if you can just see how the pattern has influenced you. So I'd love to do that. You know, check out the uh, the website page for that, interversepodcast.com slash sound dash healing. There's a link to that page in every episode in the description. And I encourage you to check it out. Maybe reach out, get yourself a tuning. Uh, because, you know, if you want it sooner than later, the calendar does fill up. And I think we're like well into June scheduling already. So you know, sooner than later, if you want to do it sooner than later, <laughs> not to like no pressure, you know, uh, anytime is the right time, but just thought I'd put that out there. And yeah, other than that, you know, there's lots of ways to support the podcast through affiliate links, including typical new herbs, Kyle's amazing products. If you use the Interverse coupon code, you get 10% off and I get a kickback. I also have the same type of deal with Clive DeCarl, but it's just a link in my description where you can pick up extremely high quality magnesium and vitamin C and other stuff that he has on offer. And of course, my audiobook series with Dylan Sicosio, very worthwhile book series. If you want it read to you and you might, because some of those words are funny and you're gonna have to sound them out. <laughs> I would love to uh, receive your support and provide you with a conduit to the knowledge that is so useful. I mean, just look at what kind of insights we're able to achieve with this group when we're all putting our heads together and bringing our linguistic, symbolic, herbalistic, and all the above type of knowledge to bear, our powers combined. And there's actually a lot of room for more insights. So we need you guys out there to do the same kind of research and and look at your own area, plants that you might know about, bring it all to the table, because we live on an infinite world. <laughs> there is always going to be more knowledge, always going to be more wisdom. And please pick up those books and get a little more pattern recognition under your belt so that you'll be even more dangerous symbolically, linguistically, and et cetera. Yeah. But what a good night. <laughs> so much fun to hang out. You guys are the best. Many, many thanks to everybody in the chat. I see so many names that were there from the beginning, hanging in the whole time. Amazing stuff. Uh, so thank you all. Much love. We'll see you on the next one in a month for Gemini. Gonna be good. Good night, y'all. Ciao. See ya.